The Big Scary Show is brought to you in part by Dark Imaginings. Web design, creepy changing portraits, and much, much more. Darkimaginings.com For the deepest, darkest crews, to the backwoods swamp at the bottom, for the inside of your castle, to the fears lying deep inside your subconscious, it's time for the Big Scary Show. I'm Laura. And I'm Tyler from Fearworm. And you're listening to The Big, Big Scary, Scary Show. Hi, this is Brett Molitor from the Haunted Attraction Association. You know me as Captain Chaos. And you're listening to The Big Scary Show. Hi, this is Brian Foreman from Scare Badges. And you're listening to The Big Scary Show. Hello, creeps. It's me, John Kassir, the voice of... The Crypt Keeper. <laughs> and you're listening to The Big Scary Show, the top podcast in the industry. <laughs> Hi, this is Mark from Pumpkin Eater VR in San Diego, California, and you're listening to The Big Scary Show. Greetings, mortals and others. I'm Dick Terhune, the voice from hell, and you're listening to the Big Scary Show. You're listening to the Big Scary Show with three Big Scary Men and one that wears more makeup than I do. Folks, we know it's cold outside. All that snow, all that ice... All that sleet, all that blustery wind. It's February, but we'll get over it. It'll soon be March and then April, and the weather will warm up, and pretty soon we'll be into spring and then summer, and then fall. Glorious, glorious fall. While it may be cold where you are, The Big Scary Show episode 283 is hot, with more interviews, part two of our coverage of Transworld's trade show in St. Louis. Badger's going to be on the floor talking to lots of vendors. The old crone walks over to the Christmas event and the interactive event and talks to people there. These are hot interviews, so hunker down, grab a hot beverage, get under the quilt in front of a fire, and enjoy. Storm will be ranting about mysterious objects washing up on Japanese beaches in a haunt minute. Personally, I think it's a Godzilla egg and they should just leave it alone. Meat Hook Jim will be talking about dungeons in between the corpses. Badger will be bringing you the latest in Deadline news. And the old crone will be talking eminent domain. The Round Table of Terror will be discussing marketing and advertising. It is not too early 
to get your budgets together and get those marketing plans in place for the upcoming season. We bring in Tyler and Laura from Fearworm, as well as the voice from hell himself, Dick Terhune, to discuss everything marketing. We might have a gruesome giveaway winner, plus some fantastic music to get your bones heated up in this cold winter. All this plus so much more here on episode 283 of The Big Scary Show. Stay warm out there. Ladies and gentlemen, this picture, truly one of the most unusual ever filmed, contains scenes which under no circumstances should be viewed by anyone with a heart condition or anyone who is easily upset. We urgently recommend that if you are such a person or the parent of a young or impressionable child now in attendance, that you and the child leave the auditorium. Hello everyone, Drew Badger here out on the floor of Transworld here in St. Louis. A great trade show, lots and lots of people here having a grand old time. This gentleman walked past the booth and I have spoken to him on a couple of other occasions. Folks, if you like hearses, and who doesn't, I want one for a daily driver. I don't care about the price of gas, it's just so damn cool. Every year at Transworld for the past several years they have been raffling off an actual hearse that you literally can drive away from the America Center to wherever you are located. They do it as part of the Kirby Family Farms. They also run the scary train in October. But let's talk to Daryl Kirby and all the cool things that they do out there. Daryl, how you doing, man? I'm doing great, Drew. How are you? Man, we're just having a good old time here. You know, it's Friday. Lots of people are walking around, some a little slower than others because of Thursday night activities we will not get into, but... You know, I came by your booth yesterday. You had a lot of people looking around. There were people putting in stuff for a big raffle that you have here and that you hold at every Transworld. Yes, yeah, and I have to say, this I didn't know what to expect to be in the show in February. Nobody did. It is quite impressive. I mean, uh, it's packed. I think what's more impressive is the fact that you actually got here with the story that you told me about oh, trying to come man. up from Florida in the, uh, the blizzard of 23 at this point. <laughs> so this year's hearse... Not only, you know, we like to drive the hearse from our facility in Florida to St. Louis, so people, you know, that pretty well lets them know it's a good running car. This year is is a 1995 Cadillac Fleetwood. Um, The hearse body is made by M&M, Miller Meteor, so they're kind of rare for that year, so we're real excited to have that. It's only got 42,000 original miles, and it made the trek all the way from Florida to St. Louis, including through an ice storm where we went for four hours, not over five miles an hour, weaving in and out of jackknife semis, everything. It was a mess, but she performed beautifully, and I couldn't be more proud of her. Well, you know, with all that weight, too, you, you know, those tires just had grip. Yes. That's definitely. not a light car. No, it's not. And, and, we, and when we bring it, she's packed down with other goodies that we're raffling off and have out for donations and stuff as well. What are some of the other things that people could win here on Sunday afternoon, I believe, or is it Saturday that you draw the winners? So we're also doing this year, you know, we have the hearse. That's the, you know, and, and um, if I may, hearseraffle.com for those that can't be with us at the show. Uh, we opened it up a few years ago where people can go online and get tickets as well. You don't have to be present to win. Um, but we only do 360 tickets for the hearse. Now this year, if you're at Transworld and you stop by the booth because of the generosity, here's a plug for Immortal Mask. 
Here's a plug for Studio 1031 Concepts. They've been partners now for two years with us, and they sponsor sponsor a silicone mask and also a costume from from 1031. So we have each of those out for a raffle, plus we have a 12-foot skeleton, the famous Home, Home Depot 12-foot skeleton. Nice. So those are each $10 raffles individually for the guests here at Transworld. But if you do the three for 100 on the hearse, you get three chances for the hearse. So that puts you at a 1 in 120 odds. Plus, almost 1%. I almost, like it. yes. And then you also get a chance for the mask, a chance you know from the Immortal Mask. You get a chance for the Studio 1031 costume. And you get a chance for the 12-foot skelly. And we'll give you a free T-shirt while supplies last. <laughs> there you go. And, of course, if you're not hearing this until after Transworld, which you won't be because the show will be over, you, you do other fundraisers and things during the course of the year, but it all benefits a lot of charitable things that the Kirby Farms company does. Yes, yeah, so Kirby Family Farm is a 501c3 uh, public charity. Um, we started in around, I think, 2011. The foundation was founded, and I think we got our designation a few years after that. But our mission is to work with any child, and because our you know uh, experience that it's a 110 acre facility, the main experience is the train ride. We have a historic railroad, full size real trains on tracks. So our motto, if you will, is helping kids stay on track or get back on track in life. Nice. And we work with special needs, medically needy, foster children, at risk children. A typical year at Kirby Family Farm sees between 10 and 15,000 children at no cost. So when they come and visit, whether it's in an educational program, we're helping them get their academics back on track, or they're just coming for a Saturday event, you know, to just have a good time because they've had a lot of bad times in their life. Whatever it is that brings them, you know, where our paths cross is free for the for the youth. So that's when we started opening the facility up. We started with the Christmas train. And then came other events. We do a Wild West weekend three times a year. And, um, of course, since we're at Transworld, Scary Train. And Scary Train has climbed its way up through all the events to be number two right behind Christmas Train. And, and it, it's amazing to me just how much people always ask me, what's my favorite event? And as a kid growing up, going to Six Gun Territory, and we do it in on, our Wild West weekends in honor of an old park that was in Florida, but as I've watched Scary Train grow, not only is it a fundraiser for the charity, and I don't want to be hypocritical, we started the event to help raise money to offset the expenses, to, you know, to op- the operating budget. But what I didn't realize is it was going to o- introduce us to so many kids that what I call, and, and our, our group and our volunteer and our staff calls them the unrecorded. There's so many, we have the, we have the official connections with school guidance counselors and the foster programs and different things. But you don't know how many kids are out there living in what they think is normal. That's not normal, not acceptable, and not safe. And these kids will just show up with a permission slip, you know, from somebody saying, I want to volunteer, you know, 16-year-old kid, because they heard it's fun scaring people. So then we get to meet these young people and get to learn their life and are able to go, wow, you know, this kid needs help. So that's my has made Scary Train my favorite event. Because it helps us discover kids that are normally lost, you know, fall through the cracks. You do fantastic work, and you know, so many haunted companies, so many haunted houses, all do things for the community. But you do some amazing things for people that definitely need it. You do the, you do the fantastic work throughout the course of the year, and, and you know, so many kids that need help. It, it's just amazing what haunters do. You know, even though, you know, we, we literally are trying to chop you into little bits with axes and chainsaws, but yet we're also there for the kids. So, you know, oh, yeah. it, it's kind of interesting. 
And of course, you know, it'll be too late to bid on the hearse by the time this this is airing, but where can people get more information? Maybe they can make a donation. Maybe they can, maybe they know somebody with a hearse that they'd like to donate for the cause or, or some other events. And of course, we assume you will be back here next year with yet another hearse. Absolutely. Where can people get more information about all the events that Kirby Family Farms does during the year? So the best way is to go to kirbyfarm.com, K-I-R-B-Y-F-A-R-M.com, or scarytrain.com takes you right to our Scary Train site. Um, but they're tied together. so. And all the social medias and things all tie in off that page? All the social medias, Kirby Family Farm, one word, on Facebook and Instagram. And, and, and Williston is uh, Gulfside, northern Florida, correct? I like to say Williston is in the middle of nowhere, close to everywhere. <laughs> um, we get a lot of guests that travel from Tampa, Orlando, Jacksonville, and all of those are in different directions. But all of them are just under two hours from, okay. from our front. So coast. you're two hours from... Basically everything. <laughs> in, in Florida, in, yeah. M- minus Miami, but we don't Correct. talk about that. Yes, definitely. So once again, folks, KirbyFarms.com. Kirby Farm, Kirby no Kirby S. Farm. KirbyFarm.com. No farm. For all the, you know, you don't tolerate that S on the farm. <laughs> KirbyFarm.com for all your cool stuff. Learn about the uh, good things that they do during the course of the year. The Christmas train, the scary train in Halloween, and of course, next year they'll be giving away yet another hearse. Daryl Kirby, thank you again for being a part of the Big Scary Show here. Thanks for letting me hang out with you. It's always a pleasure, and I love watching all the people come up and say, you're giving this away. Holy cow. And, <laughs> and, and one of these days I'm going to draw the winning ticket, but but it probably you know, won't be this year. really cool this year, Drew, is we have full-size candy, you know, the full-size candy bags, and people are going nuts over those. And I, I didn't I know it would be such a hit. Immediately yes, I'm like, this, damn it. that's so cool. People are come finding us because you're like, you have full bags, the, the big bags of You're that guy <laughs> in the neighborhood. Yeah, the, we're the candy guy. Kirbyfarm.com. Go check out all the wonderful things they do. Daryl Kirby, thank you for taking the time to speak to us here on The Big Scary Show. My name is Drew Badger at Transworld, and we're out. Good evening. My name is Deadfield, the zombie butler. Visit me and all my friends here at vfxcreates.com and check out the new Putrid Pete, the zombie puppet. We have several new products that you might want to see. (laughs) See you soon at vfxcreates.com. Music by Midnight Syndicate. Calabrese, the dead don't rise on the big scary show.
broadcasting to you from the darkest regions of the earth. This is a Haunt Minute. And now, with this week's commentary, Storm. Alright, so something we've learned about the human race is we are captivated by mystery shapes. Yes, if you remember a couple years ago, we had the um, monoliths that were showing up in the desert, you know, big rectangles just in the middle of the desert standing there. Something like Al 2001 and everybody was like, ooh, wow, look at these things. Let's hit the news. Oh, everybody's confused by those. Then you got the Chinese spy balloons floating over, big orbs floating over Montana and the Great Lakes and Canada and stuff. And everybody's, you know, so, so, you know, focused on that and, and just amazing. And now you have the Japanese mystery sphere. That's right. A big round thing washed up on a uh, beach in Japan. Uh, it pretty much looks like, you know, it's about three feet in diameter. It pretty much looks like those concrete um, circle balls that are in front of the target. So you don't, like, run your car through a target and, you know, kids try and sit on them and usually fall on their face and you get a good laugh out of it. So it looks like one of those, but it's metal and rusty. And, you know, it's a mystery sphere. No one knew what it could be. Is it a Godzilla egg? Has it come from space? Where is it? And, of course, you know, they x-ray it to make sure it's not like some sea mine from um, World War II or something. Uh, it's hollow. It's empty. And, you know, oh, look, we found a little hook at the end. So it's probably a buoy. A giant buoy for some huge ship to have hooked up someplace, and God knows how long it's been floating around in the ocean. But it still captivated everybody, because it's big news, and, and on this, and captivates the nation, these mystery spheres. And, you know, we're talking about marketing and marketing for your haunt now. Mystery shapes are the way to go, apparently, too, you know? that That's a new thing. Just put a, you know, a, a, a mystery pyramid in your front lawn of your haunt and you know I don't know how it got there I don't know hide the hammer and nails behind your back and you're going to get a lot of publicity uh, the other thing is too can you imagine if something was in this Japanese mystery sphere you know you, you, what you should be doing as a haunt is all those extra t-shirts you got send them off to um, shipyards and if they're making a big metal buoy tell them hey just Put this one in there and seal it in there. Then, if the mystery sphere ever lands on a beach and they crack it open, they can find a t-shirt for your haunt. Ooh, publicity then. So until next time, keep every minute scary. Tune in next episode for another Haunt Minute. Hi, this is Josh Gates from Travel Channel's Expedition Unknown, reminding you to send all hate mail to storm at bigscaryshow.com. This is the old crone with the Big Scary Show, and I have ventured over to the Christmas side of Transworld, and I'm standing here talking to Josh with Light Up the Night Production. How are you doing, Josh? Good. How are you today? Doing great. So tell me, how does it benefit a Christmas business, essentially, <laughs> partnering with the haunted attraction industry. 
I find that the partnership between Halloween and Christmas is great as it can extend your guys' season, which we already have a short window for Christmas and we already have a short window for Halloween. So doing that flip over from Halloween to Christmas during the month of November can really help you extend and build a better sales system for your business. Yeah, I agree. I know several haunts that have ventured over into the Christmas side to, like you said, extend their, their business, their money-making time. So what type of products do you mostly have? So Light Up the Night Production is actually a fully immersive entertainment business. So we do build haunted houses as well as Christmas displays and everything like that. But we also sell product and everything that we sell is made here in America. So we don't have to worry about ship times, lead times, nothing like that. That's great. Um, and I was just speaking with one of your designers. And I'm standing inside this beautiful light up like a snow globe almost that you can walk through. And he said he did this in just a couple of weeks, and he gives you guys the designs, and you guys make it happen. If there is a, an attraction or um, someone who's wanting something customized, can you guys do that as well? We can do full custom pieces. So right now, this year, our big product, our new product, is the hot chocolate mug bar that we Which have. Which is adorable. So we actually built a pumpkin bar for a haunted house last year. That is very cool. Very cool. Well, thank you so much for taking the time to speak to me, and best of luck during Transworld for you. Thank you. Thank you for coming over. Thank you. Spectral Illusions is a digital production studio creating video effects for your home or pro haunt. They carry over 30 stock videos ready for immediate download, as well as USB drives preloaded with multiple effects. In partnership with AAXA Technologies, they now carry projectors preloaded with multiple effects. And now Big Scary Show listeners can get 15% off downloads, USBs, and screens with code BIGSCARY15. Projectors not included. Visit SpectralIllusions.com and add some life to your haunt. That's SpectralIllusions.com. And ladies and gentlemen, we hope you've been listening to the previous episode because it is time to find out if we have a winner for the February gruesome giveaway sponsored by our very, very good friends at ScreamlineStudios.com. ScreamlineStudios.com is your full-service Halloween store. If you didn't get picked this month, you can always just go to ScreamlineStudios.com and go shopping. Well, folks, we had a question on the last show we got a lot of response to. We randomly selected somebody, and I believe we have them on the line. Random person, what is your name? Where are you from? My name is Allison, and I'm from Charlotte, North Carolina. Allison from Charlotte, my hometown. Fantastic. So just to uh, just to uh, clarify, we do not know each other, do we? No. Okay. Well, Allison from Charlotte, North Carolina, if we find, before we find out if you're the winner, let me need to ask you a couple of quick legal questions. Question number one, have we told you to contact us in any way, shape, or form other than to win to call in? No. All right. Question number two, have you tried to encourage us to pick your name out of all the entries with uh, promises of bribery or anything like that? <laughs> All right. Well, Allison from Charlotte, North Carolina. The question for the February gruesome giveaway, if I recall correctly, was this. Dan Henry from Henry Monster Designs said that this was the year of the blank. Yes. 
What is this the year of? The year of the jack-o'-lantern. And you would be absolutely correct, Dan. Henry did say it was the year of the jack-o'-lantern. Said it a couple of times during our interview. So congratulations to Allison from Charlotte. You are the February gruesome giveaway winner. Yay, thank you. All right, Allison, uh, do you work in the industry? Are you a big Halloween enthusiast? Do you do a yard display or a home haunt or anything like that? I am not in the industry. I'm just an enthusiast. Um, unfortunately, I don't have a yard to do a display, uh, but I do put out some decorations every year. Excellent. Well, we I'm hope, a huge fan. We hope whatever Screamline Studios sends you, we hope it will be part of your Halloween decor for this season. So, Allison from Charlotte, if you will stick around on the line so we can get some shipping information. And once again, we want to thank StreamlineStudios.com for supplying us with all these great prizes that we give away all year long. Remember, folks, if you didn't get picked this month, there's always March. So, once again, thank you to Screamline Studios, and you continue to listen to The Big Scary Show. Die Monster Die, the dead shall inherit the earth, on the Big Scary Show. There's no more room in hell than dead or roaming free, good men are both the cellar door. Meanwhile, the crawling eyes of hate their chilling gaze, for they'll see the eyes of swarm, they see. Drew Badger here. We're live at Trans World. Show is slowly 
starting to wind down. It is Sunday morning. A lot of people are dragging just a little bit, but somebody that always looks bright and perky whenever I walk past her booth is none other than the queen of makeup, Bloody Mary herself, a.k.a. Bobby Weiner with Bloody Mary makeup and all that. How are you? Oh, I'm doing really good. Thanks. The, the show has been... A little different, given the dates and all that, but I think a lot of people are out here wandering around, and there seems to be a lot of sales being made, and there seems to be a lot of happy people. Yeah, we we had a wonderful, uh, wonderful time here, but it was busy all the time. What a horrible problem to have, being busy all the time. It's a little slow right now, so I'm glad we were able to take some uh, time with you. You know, I've been a makeup artist, not a makeup artist, I've been doing my own makeup for Haunts for over 20 years. I love using your stuff. I use your wheels all the time. What's new regarding the makeup world? You know what? We, we really don't have that many new things. We're so busy just selling the good, the good stuff. It has, you know, no shelf life as far as it's always popular what I do. Uh, the comic books are selling like crazy, uh, thank goodness. And that, is, that is the Tales of Bloody Mary comic book? Yeah. The Tales of Bloody Mary. We did another workshop yesterday. It was uh, standing room only again. <laughs> and uh, and we're, uh, you know, they, they worked on each other and we got a winner. And, uh, and, and it was the first time that people ever did makeup on him. We did clowns, wicked clowns. And uh, he's going to be in my next comic book, the character. Oh, wow. I, I actually took one of your workshops, I believe, at Midwest a number of years ago. And I believe the topic was Wicked Clown. So I do like the, the theme there. Now, one thing I found interesting was I was doing a news report several weeks ago about a haunt, I believe, in West Virginia. And they said that they were doing a Bloody Mary haunt, that you are affiliated and, or do you franchise out haunted houses. How does that work, and who's the lucky people working with you this year? Uh, the, it's the Jordans. Uh, it's their fourth Bloody Mary haunted house, and they change it every year. Uh, they uh, do it from, I license them my name, I license them a comic book, and they do the haunt from the comic book. And uh, this is their fourth year, and it's it's unbelievable. It's very popular. It all started when we started licensing to Universal Studios for Halloween Horror Nights. And that was one of the biggest years they had. They had over a million people come to the Bloody Mary Haunted House. And I was there. And uh, and, and then the Jordans came into my life. Uh, that We've had a couple other people years and years ago do it. But the Jordans really go out of their way and they do an amazing job. And then there's going to be another one in Ohio. Uh, we were in Ohio for around three years and, um, and, and for Bloody Mary's Revenge, which we kind of tied in to uh, Don't Be a Monster because I did a comic book about bullying. And that became huge. And we're in our third printing of that right now, Excellent. of that one, uh, Revenge. And um, the one that we did for Universal, we're in our second printing for that one. And, uh, and, and the word gets out there, and it, it must be a draw because people wouldn't be doing it. Well, I mean, is this something where if I was a haunted house owner, I would just come up to you and say, hey, I'd like to have a Bloody Mary haunted house this year? That's it. You just ask me, and we're happy to work with you. You can do it from a comic book. Uh, we can help you and work with you if you're looking for some kind of creation because I have a whole staff of artists. And uh, they do the designs for you. They they work with you. And, you know, we just love the business, and we're happy to help. Do they get Bloody Mary makeup for their makeup rooms? 
Of course they do. <laughs> and they usually open up a store and they sell our Bloody Mary makeup in their store. That, that's an excellent idea and, and one that I'm surprised more people don't do. But it, it works for those people and they do great. And I'm glad that everything like that is so successful. Thank you so much. And what they do is sometimes they add a haunted house, a Bloody Mary haunted house, to what they're doing already. Just like they add an escape room. So sometimes they just do an extra haunt, maybe smaller. And then if it really goes well the following year, they blow it out and they do a big one. It sounds fantastic. One of these days I hope to go through a Bloody Mary haunted house. I currently do not live near one, but, you know, with all the traveling I do, who can say? For people wanting to see the catalog of all the products you have here, you know, I highly recommend Bloody Mary makeup for my personal use. Or if you're a haunted house owner and you might be interested in having a Bloody Mary haunted house, or maybe you get comic books, merchandise, all things Bloody Mary. How can people get more information, websites, social medias, and all that? Just go to my website, DearBloodyMary.com, or give us a call. They can always call me at my office, which is 305-893-5650, and somebody's always there. Bobby Wiener, it's always a pleasure to see you at Transworld. You're looking dynamite as always, and I can't wait to see all the great stuff that's going to come down the pike this year and for the next few, hopefully, at a Bloody Mary haunted house. Once again, folks, my name is Drew Badger. We're here live at Transworld in St. Louis, and we're out. Want to take your haunt to a new dimension of terror? Then let Dark Imaginings conjure up some ghoulish graphics and web design services for your home haunt or crypt. Mm. To see more of our products and services, drop by darkimaginings.com. Let us help you get ahead of your competition. <laughs> Hello everyone, this is Drew Badger and this is Deadline News for episode 283. And we're going to start things off with this update from the Midwest Haunters Convention coming to Chicago. We are looking for vendors. Now is your chance to get your products in front of the audience they deserve. Dollar for Dollar MHC is one of the most affordable shows for vendors to attend. We show every year that this show is for buyers. Don't miss out on one of the most profitable shows many vendors do each year. Sign up today by contacting Rich Bianco at 412-812-1773, email him at rich at haashow.com, or go to midwesthauntersconvention.com slash exhibitor registration. We have an update from FrankenCon coming to Knoxville, Tennessee. We are proud to announce that with the help of Central Cinema Knox, Frank Henenlotter will be coming for both days, plus we've added the star of one of his most famous franchises, Basket Case, with Kevin Van Hentrick. Kevin starred as Dwayne in the Basket Case trilogy that was directed by Frank. Frank also directed Frankenhooker and Brain Damage. These are two huge additions to the Bride of FrankenCon. Get your tickets today at frankencontn.com. We have more event news with this update from the Carolina Fear Fest coming to Raleigh, North Carolina. We have another guest announcement, David Naughton. 
Perhaps most beloved for an American werewolf in London, his impressive credits also include Ice Cream Man, Hot Dog the Movie, Detroit Rot City, Brutal Massacre, a comedy, plus TV roles in The Twilight Zone, American Horror Story, and so much more. Join David Naughton and the rest of our guests at Carolina Fear Fest Memorial Day weekend at the NC State Fairgrounds. Get more information at carolinafearfest.com. Still more event news with this update from the Horror Hound Weekend coming to Cincinnati. We are happy to welcome back William Zabka from the Karate Kid and Cobra Kai franchises who is set to attend Horror Hound Weekend this March 24th through the 26th. This will be William's first time at our event. Secure your tickets today at HorrorHoundWeekend.com. We have this hiring news from the Nightmare on 19th Street in Lubbock, Texas. We need masked and unmasked heroes. We are restaffing the largest haunted attraction in West Texas. Make some money, make some friends, and have a blast. We'll be looking for fresh meat with a monstrous meetup this May. Check in on our Facebook page frequently and join the Nightmare Undead Army. Check for those updates at facebook.com slash Nightmare on 19th. That, of course, is the number 19. We have some more hiring news, this time from Woods of Terror in Greensboro, North Carolina. We are hiring for the 2023 haunt season. Our first training begins in March. Come join our haunt crew and be part of one of the largest haunted houses in North Carolina. Also, are you looking to join our makeup team? Our very first interest meeting is Sunday, March 5th from 1 until 3 or 4 p.m. or whenever. Get more information on both at woodsofterror.com or email erica, erica with a K, at woodsofterror.com. We have this update from Cult Classic Convention coming to Bastrop, Texas. Entrepreneurs Roy and Lisa Rose have a great desire to bring the fans of horror and cult classics together in a friendly environment to experience all forms of different cult genres, including art, collectibles, props, and celebrity guests. Come meet Lloyd Kaufman, Douglas Tate, Mark Holton, James Remar, Michael Beck, Patty Mullen, Jeffrey Combs, and many more March 3rd through the 5th at the Bastrop Convention Center and Exhibit Center. 1408 Chestnut Street in Bastrop, Texas. Photo ops are on sale now. Get more information, hotel, and tickets at cultclassicconvention.com. We have this unofficial update from Not Scary Farm in Buena Park, California. This comes to us via the Knott's Network Facebook page. Hey, Scary Farm Monsters crew and fans, don't forget that March Madness is coming up March 5th at Knott's Berry Farm. It's the gathering of haunt monsters, fans, and crew to celebrate our love for the haunt and to get excited for the upcoming 50th anniversary of Knott's Scary Farm. The main group photo will be at the fountain in front of Johnny Rockets at 12.30 p.m. sharp. All you need is a general admission ticket or your season pass will get you into the park as well. This event is not run by nuts. We hope to scare you there. There's a link to the event page at their Facebook page, facebook.com slash Network. And finally, we have this news from Bruce Campbell. 
announcing Bruce O'Rama 2023 starring Bruce Campbell. Bruce O'Rama is two events in one fun evening. Part one, play a game, hosted by Bruce. Last Fan Standing is not your father's trivia contest. As the only interactive game show created exclusively for fans of pop culture, Last Fan Standing tests your knowledge about the things that really matter. Fantasy, horror, sci-fi, superheroes, gaming, you know, all that cool stuff. Everyone in the audience gets to play. Fans answering the most questions correct in the fastest amount of time will come up on stage with Bruce for the final face-off, and one player will be crowned Last Fan Standing. Part 2, watch a groovy movie with Bruce, Evil Dead 2. Bruce will introduce this cult favorite he's in and take questions before the screening. It's a lively half hour of anecdotes, insults, and random cash giveaways. In addition to these two events, depending on the type of ticket purchased, fans can also take home a custom autographed photo of the event and a portrait-grade photo with the man himself. Let the good times roll at Bruce O'Rama. Happening in select cities across the country, get more information at bruce-campbell.com. Groovy. Remember, folks, if you have news in the haunted house, Halloween, or horror industries, and you want it on the show, email it to us, news at bigscaryshow.com, and we'll get it on the show. No news is too big or too small. This concludes this edition of the Big Scary Show's Deadline News. A beast of staggering size. A savage killer destroying everything in its path. An awesome sight never before seen on the screen. Crocodile. The monstrous. The horrifying. The ultimate in sheer terror. Crocodile. Wherever it goes, it leaves a trail of blood and broken bodies. You have no idea what it's like down here. I want all the ambulances you can get. It lives to destroy. It destroys to live. It comes from the bowels of the earth. An angry, defiant beast. Its massive size, its immense razor-sharp teeth, which can tear a man in half, combine to make it the most terrifying killing machine ever created. Ah! Crocodile! Wait it on. The Roundtable of Terror is very proudly sponsored by HauntPay. Whether it's time ticketing, virtual queue lines or anything else related to online ticket sales, have Alex and his staff set you up at hauntpay.com. Ladies and gentlemen, that music does mean it is time for the Round Table of Terror. We're sorry you missed it last episode. It took a little short vacation while we were bringing you all the trans world coverage. We hope you're enjoying the current part two of our trans world coverage. But 
We are bringing the round table of terror back just because we know you miss it. And of course, we want to thank the very fine folks at Haunt Pay for bringing this to you. Now, as we are talking about a trans world during this episode and the last, everybody is excited about all the cool stuff they bought, all the static props, all the animatronics, all the makeup, all the masks, all that great stuff. We all know everybody's rushing back to their haunts, building and hammering and nailing and sawing and getting permits and wiring and all that great stuff. Can't wait to show off all the cool stuff you bought. But what happens if nobody shows up to see it all? All that money you've spent, all that time you've put in there. How do you get people in the door to see your haunted attraction? Well, you know, this is the time of year that budgets have hopefully been made, hopefully have been implemented, and hopefully not blown out of the water by attending the trade shows and conventions. But um, we brought in a few people that know a little bit about budgeting, a little bit about marketing, a little bit about advertising, how to get people in your door, because October is just seven months away, something like that. I don't even know. My God, it's coming up quicker than we can imagine. But let's talk a little bit about marketing, advertising, and all that good stuff to get the general public to your haunted attraction with some people that know just a little bit about this. We want to welcome our special guests all the way up in Lexington, Kentucky. Technically, they're in Moorhead. We want to bring in Lara Kilpatrick and Tyler Barnett from Fearworm. Guys, are you there? We are. We are here. Thank you so much, Drew. We're very excited to be here. And I can imagine you're also very excited because we're about to offer you your congratulations on your very special news that was just announced, I believe, last week in Florida. Yes, sir. Yeah. We... She said yes. Yay. <laughs> Yay. We are. Congratulations, officially... you two officially engaged and <laughs> i was so surprised we'll we'll be sharing some more pictures soon mm -hmm. the look on my face just pure shock i actually forgot to say yes for a few moments <laughs> <laughs> so my so. heart stopped for like the brief moment <laughs> like here we are in the middle of the magic kingdom at disney world in front of cinderella's castle <laughs> and i'm like is she going to say yes or no? <laughs> What's happening? <laughs> but, uh, you know, I have a little ADHD sometimes, and there was a lot going on in that moment. And then I realized, oh, gosh, I have not responded. <laughs> <laughs> and the photos are perfect. You, like, the, the, the look of shock and surprise in Laura's face is awesome. But, yes, I did say yes, and we're very excited about that. Thank you. Yeah, we're definitely looking forward to it. But we won't be planning a wedding during the fall, so... We uh, yeah, for anyone, yeah. <laughs> for anyone, probably not a good idea. No, not going to be during the Halloween yeah. season. Unfortunately, as as fun and as cool as that would be, um, <laughs> we 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 could not. We're just too busy, and yeah. we definitely have you know friends in the industry that would want to be there. And yeah. you know, I know October is busy for all of us, so that won't be happening. You That's should bad. have a trans world wedding. Have a trans world wedding. You that know, way you can write the whole thing off as a business trip. You're the person to bring that up, Dick. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. and, and by the way, we do have another guest. So the aforementioned just broke in there. Mr. Dick Terhune, the voice from hell, marketing expert extraordinaire, has taught classes for many years at such places as Midwest Hunters Convention, 
West Coast Hunters Convention, I believe, you know, all over the country with his marketing genius stuff up in Litchfield, Connecticut. Dick, welcome back to the show. Greetings, mortals and others. Always nice to have you here. And who else is here? Why, it's our regular co-hosts, including up in the neighboring state of Rhode Island. We have Storm. Greetings from tropical Rhode Island. It's like 60 here today. That's that's beach weather for us. I mean, you know, we, we, we haven't seen snow. This has been great. Oh, it's going to be miserable in July, though, isn't it? Anyway, no, we have air conditioning, pools, and beaches, so no, it's not that bad. Well, there you go. You got that for you. Down in Cincinnati, Ohio, we have Meat Hook Jim. Well, you know, it was a couple degrees cooler here, but very nice. I was really enjoying the nice weather. It was sunny, and I don't fall under the mortals care category. I follow under under other. That's, there you go. So you you check that box. Okay, that's good. Yeah. yeah, we've we've known that for a long time. And down in Fayetteville, Arkansas, home of the award-winning Banshee Manor haunted house, the award-winning owner and operator, the old crone, aka Jana. Welcome and also congratulations. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Um, it was quite an evening, quite an award. I'm still um, still trying to kind of absorb, you know, that that happened, but it was pretty awesome. And it was, it was great having you there, Drew, to help cheer me on. And we had some video, I believe, on our social medias. So we you did. can all go back and check that out as well. My name is Drew Badger down in Charlotte, North Carolina, recovering. I just got back from the Oddities and Curiosities Expo. You will probably hear those interviews and more on the next episode, but not this one. We're talking marketing here on the Roundtable of Terror. So first question goes out to everybody. Of course, in this day of social medias and everything like that, you know, I'm a haunted attraction owner why can't I just use something like Facebook or Instagram to draw thousands and thousands of people to my haunted attraction? That's a great question for Laura. Yeah, that yeah, is exactly. a great question. Um, you know, I'm sure we all kind of have our different perspectives and ideas, you know, why maybe that isn't enough, but I can say, you know, if you, if you're looking to stay where you're at and you don't want to sell any more tickets than what you've currently be, been doing, then definitely don't make too many changes. But um, if you're looking to sell more tickets and reach more people, you've got to do something different. And I think if you know, you're focusing only on Facebook and Instagram, and that's all you're doing, there's so much more that you could be doing. Um, it's definitely good for you to be on Instagram and, and Facebook, but you definitely don't want to do only that. You want to diversify. I guess would be a great word for that. Well, Facebook is still the largest platform in the world mm -hmm. and because it owns WhatsApp, because it owns Instagram, <clears throat> you know, it's the place you have to be, you know, and, and mainly it's because of your advertising. You want to be using, you know, ads manager, you know, placing your ads on Instagram and you have to do that via Facebook. Um, now, while it's still the largest social media platform in the world, Obviously, it's not the fastest growing. The fastest growing is TikTok. I think we all know that. Um, it also it also can be problematic at times. And I have to say, depending on your haunt, you know, different haunts have, you know, different target markets. And sometimes your target market who you're trying to reach, maybe they're not a Facebooker, right? We see that a lot um, with 
the general type of haunted attraction, we're targeting typically teenagers. Um, you know, they're on TikTok, they're on Snapchat, they're on these other platforms, you know, so um, there's just, there's more to focus on. I definitely think, I mean, Facebook is a plus, but um, I'm a fan of making sure your content is curated and planned and, you know, delivered across multiple platforms for sure. And in different avenues as well. Well, I think you used the correct word there, Laura, with diversify. Mm -hmm. You know, having a diversified marketing plan is always going to be the best if your budget allows for it. If you have a small budget, then just own Facebook and Instagram. You know, hopefully you can add a little bit to add Google to it, Google search. But if you're if you have a smaller budget, just just own Facebook and put all your money there. And to be clear, you're both talking about paid advertising on social media, correct? I am, yes. Yeah, my job with Fearworm is actually a little bit different. I mean, I do think about paid advertising when, um, you know, when we're talking about advertising just generically. But a lot of what I do for Fearworm is organic. It's, you know, just the conversations you're having with your audience when you're not directly selling them. You know, it's it's brand presence. Um, you know, there's there's a lot of larger concepts that are involved in just your organic, regular, everyday conversations with your customers. And it's not always about selling that ticket. Um, you know, it, it really is just about brand presence, making sure that when they think of Halloween, they think of you. You want them to think of you. So that's a little bit different, but it works hand in hand, organic and paid work together. And I, I know we talk about organic social media marketing, but is it or should it be truly organic? Should it be someone in your organization or someone at your advertising agency who's curating and putting the message out and making sure that five people are not sending out, hey, look at the flats we built over the weekend and hey, look at the masks we bought at Transworld and that kind of stuff. That's a great point. Um, I would say it's both. So for the best relationship um, that we have as an agency, and I think all agencies could say this, is when an agency is working in conjunction with someone on site at the haunt that is responsible for their marketing. Um, <clears throat> and so what happens there is that we help and we work with that client or that person that's the boots on the ground on that brand voice so that everything is cohesive. So like when that person posts something that they're writing it in a way that matches to how we write, to have the brand voice that we help them create. I think that's definitely a great point. Um, you know, when you have multiple hands in the cookie jar, um, so to speak, it could maybe seem like that would be easier because it's less time per person. Maybe that's just how you have to slice it when um, you have too, so many things going on, right? I think many haunt owners and um, haunters alone, we're all multiple hat wearers, right? We're doing all the things. So, um, but I do think that brand voice is something that you, you basically have to um, fix yourself to. There's some rules there. And as long as if there are a few people that are working on it together, as long as those rules are followed, it's going to seem cohesive. It's going to sound cohesive. And over time, that consistency is really what you're looking for. Now, does our agency, you know, handle social media for some attractions and we're the only ones doing it? Sure, absolutely. Um, 
I, I think it can be both ways. If you're somebody that is appreciative of social media and you enjoy it um, and you want to be a part of the social media for that attraction, sometimes you can't be, you know, these younger kids that are haunt actors at your show and they just get TikTok and they get fired up about it and they get passionate and they get some idea. But you definitely want some type of, um, I don't know, governance, if you will, some type of reins, you know, something for them to follow. Otherwise, it could get kind of complicated and, and, and inconsistent pretty fast, I think. That's where we step in. We provide that governance and guidance. Yeah. So like if, you know, I can't tell you how many times we've seen a client kind of go out and go rogue and post something on their own. We instantly have to contact them. Be like, I have a story about that about? actually. Yeah. <laughs> I'd love to hear it. I'd love to hear it. Well, I, a client who had been with me for a number of years and all of a sudden went to some advertising or marketing thing. It can't have been great because the big advice was use Facebook. It's free. So they actually did not spend a dollar on advertising for that upcoming season because they were going to do the free Facebook. So they created a Facebook page for their haunt and they posted pictures and they put the dates and the ticket prices on it. And then they just waited for all that sweet money to start rolling in. And I'm, I'm going to let you guess how many people showed up their entire opening weekend. And I'll give you a clue. It's somewhere between zero and three million. Oh. I'm gonna, I'm, uh, Dick, I will say five. Oh, no. You're a little low. You're a little low. I'll go with uh, the 42. 42, also a little low. Okay. 113. Ooh, so close. 122. Wow. Over three mm. nights. And most of those were relatives like who were being comped in anyway. My very first year. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So yeah, immediately they realized what they had done wrong and they, I, they well, were on the phone with me the following Monday morning. One of the professional problems with that Dick and, and for everybody, you know, listening that focuses on Facebook or uses Facebook business pages. Uh, if you're well, this not, wasn't even a business page, they made up like a personal oh, page for their haunt. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> See, it got worse. It got worse. Yeah. Well, you know, with, with Facebook pages like that, I mean, you know, it's tough if you're only doing organic and you're just starting out. Facebook is, is not even very learned, I guess, when it comes to the type of content, who you're trying to reach. Um, and it's just a very chaotic time. Um, and the algorithm needs time to learn who your fans are and that it's okay, your content to show to people because they'll be excited about it or whatever. Inevitably, Facebook just wants to keep people on Facebook. And when you're the little guy just starting out, you're not that platform that they can, um, you know, you're not the page that they can trust to keep people on Facebook. So you got to pay to play. You know, you absolutely do, especially when you're growing a brand new Facebook page. Do you find um, when you're meeting new clients or, or maybe among old clients as well, if they actually have someone who's designated as a social media manager, for lack of a better term? It, it kind of falls in different areas across the board. Sometimes you'll have um, an owner who is just trying to do it all themselves. Right. So well, that's what we're used to. You know, if you're an owner, you're used to doing it all yourself. So 
that example, a great, a good example of that is Heidi at Fear Factory in Salt Lake City. Um, so the Fear Factory has multiple owners, but Heidi was the owner that was kind of more. I mean, I say Spencer a little bit in that as well. Yeah, but Heidi was kind of like the marketing directive of Fear Factory, and she, they were just getting so busy. And uh, of course, social media and digital media just changes constantly. And so she was. I think she felt like maybe she had been falling behind some as she was like, she needed to take on other duties at the haunt. And so then here comes Fearworm. And then right. just, and Fear Factory took off like a rocket. And in, it's not just Fearworm in that case. They actually have uh, a young gentleman kind of working there on site with them as well, handling some of their media and social media um, content. Yeah. His name is Chris Drebel. So, you know, you've got that man on site who can take direction if needed, um, who also is passionate because he is himself kind of a haunt actor as well so he gets those passionate crazy ideas but um you know not everybody has the fear factory staff you know sometimes it usually is just an owner or someone that might be on staff that's interested in social media um but they're not paid to take care of it and so you know they're just kind of doing it as a side project and that's what we see a lot is you know, sometimes there's really not much focus on the social media content for these attractions across the country because there's really no direct money involved from it. You know, it's and it becomes an afterthought. And then they start thinking about it. Oh, wait, we probably should post something, you know, and when it's an afterthought, that's when I I, I get sad. <laughs> well, in the worst situation, I think, is when a haunt owner gives that task to someone just to give them something to do mm, great example yeah. haunt owner has say like a girlfriend and like oh the girlfriend handles this because she needs something to do you right know? like that's the worst thing because then it's like now you have someone that we're working with that doesn't really understand marketing social media but also is on a power trip you know so it's like that's like the we've, worst thing that we've, we've experienced we've also seen kind of some horror stories where uh, a small attraction didn't have social media Oh, and yeah. so some young kid or some actor or some person that's there on staff um, it just jumps in and creates all of it. Well, then the, you the you over eager actor. Yeah, that's that's the one that I've I, I I banned my actors from doing anything with their social media pages. I didn't want them posting. I didn't want to do them anything because it's so transparent that it's somebody who works for you who's putting like a good review or writing something about something else. It's, it's amazing that the mess that they can make. And I, I had to clean up a few messes because they'd, they'd post stuff and get into, you know, little squabbles and stuff. Oh, it's, uh, yeah. The, oh, yeah. the, the overeager actor was always a nightmare. Absolutely. Oh, I in my handbook, um, I address social media and I line out what they're allowed to post, what they're not allowed to post. And um, things like if you, um, you, you never mention another haunt, you know, good or bad. Um, now, sometimes I will take my, you know, a bunch of my crew to another haunt and we'll, you know, we'll say thank you for, you know, welcoming us there, you know, something like that. But I won't let them um, post anything about their rooms or their costumes or anything until after the season is over because I don't want them giving, you know, any secrets away. Things like that, but yeah. it's 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 actually a page in the handbook, so the guidelines are set up ahead of time. What was I'm your inspiration to put that in your handbook? Because I didn't want anybody to um, 
mostly I didn't want anybody to post anything that was going to give away some of, of the scares because I have okay. such a small haunt. Right. You know, I'm like, <laughs> you give away one thing, you're giving away, you know, a huge part of the haunt. Um, and then, yeah, I had some people who, you know, the very first year who were sharing, you know, their costumes and their makeup and stuff and saying, uh-huh. hey, come see me. You know, no, you, you want you could say things like, hey, I'm going to be at, you know, Banshee Manor or whatever, insert haunt name. Um, and come see me, you know, we're going to be doing, you know, tickets and, and be open from this time. But if you're showing a, a picture of yourself in costume, in makeup, that's encouraging people to come in and call you out and that causes you to break character and, and stuff. So it was really became kind of a preventative thing. I'm all about trying to prevent things from happening rather than be, be react proactive instead of reactive. Yeah, I have to say kind of. I have a few notes kind of on what you've been saying there, um, Jonna. And to me, I think as far as your preventative note here, um, one thing that could be problematic giving your actors and stuff control over your pages is losing control. You, you could just not, especially if they created the page, what if they don't work for you in the next couple of years or something? Yeah. I'm referring to them on their own Facebook pages. Nobody has control over the the business one, except for me, because I did have some issues with that. And I have to say on that note specifically too, um, back in the day when I first started with dark hour haunted house, uh, I was in control of a lot of the social media and one thing we were trying to avoid, something that was really important to Alan, was he didn't want it to seem like it was fake. He wanted it to be um, this fantasy world that you became a part of when you were a guest and basically keeping up the story, you know, not really showing so much of the behind the scenes. And so I had this rule book, if you will, um, and it was in the actor's handbook and it was like do's and don'ts for social media. And there was you know, some rules and stuff to follow and everything. But um, I will say this kind of playing devil's advocate. um, If you don't allow the actors and actresses to kind of like post about it or show certain things, um, that is one way that people get really excited. You know, they want to come see their friends. They want to come see their family members in the show. Um, And I do think, you know, maybe some of those, those candid behind the scenes photos, maybe we don't want that, right? Maybe we want them using the professional photos that we've taken or, you know, our photographer friend that's actually skilled and these were planned. But I will say that you might be potentially limiting yourself just a little bit by not allowing them to, you know, post things they're excited about or, or whatever. So I need to loosen the strings on that a little bit. A little bit. You can, you can also compromise. That's one of the things I did a lot. I keep them informed and going with it. And, you know, they, they begin to trust you and go, you know, they'd see a bad review and how I'd react to it. And they're like, oh, I, I could never have done that. That's that's a really great response. That's how to do it. And, you know, the other thing is that actors are great, especially if you play into their ego. And if, you know, you're like, oh, your, your makeup looks excellent tonight. And, you, you know, here, hold this light under your face. I'm going to take a picture and you're going to be the cover of the Facebook page tomorrow. And, you know, that plays into it, too. And that gets them with it. And then you can find anybody who you could trust and balance 
bounce ideas off of too. So there's, there's always a good compromise with that, but yeah, you, you, you don't want to completely exclude your staff. You, you do want their input and have them trust social media is in the right hands and see what ideas they have. But, you know, it's like any haunt, you know, that you, you always got that new overeager actor who's like, Hey, if you guys ever done this, Yes, yes, we've we've heard that. No, no, we can't have a giant monster on the arm of a forklift coming out of the pond. That physically will not work. Thank you for the idea. No, we have enough. You know, Jason Voorhees. Thank you. We we we, we yeah, we wouldn't have thought that without you. All right, here's what you need to do. There's yeah, a great also, phrase that I use. It's it's. I love the enthusiasm, but let's stick to the plan. I also right. love the idea of using the professional photographer to take pictures of the characters because it both keeps you in control and gives them something to be proud of, something that they can point at. Yeah, that's that's exactly kind of the point of that, Dick. Um, and to me, I think the magic, you know, between the staff and the haunt um, is really somewhere in the middle. You know, you do get those overeager actors. You got to bring them down just a little bit. But to me, your actors and your staff, those are your first brand ambassadors. They really are. They know a lot about your show. They're in there creating the energy of your show. I mean, alongside those awesome animatronics that you bought right at trans world <laughs> or something, but they are creating that magic and mystery for you on the inside. So to me, they're your first brand brand ambassadors, you know, give them a, a little bit of, of power of something to do, you know, meaning like allow them to post and be excited because their words and their posts will reach more people. Um, just given the nature of the the genuine energy that comes from it. Um, I think people these days, especially consumers, they can hear that in your messaging. They can hear the genuine aspect of it. And I, I can't tell you, but to me, I feel like some of the most passionate people, um, you know, about haunts and about certain brands are the people that work inside that show. Really good point. Really good. And point. what Dick, Dick Thank also you. said about professional photographers, that's, that's a great resource to do it. You, you know, you may not need to do it every year, but if you're a haunt, you should have a professional photographer come through at some point. They're going to get the lighting right. It is it is so hard to get low-level writing correct and stuff. I've seen haunts where they'll take a picture of their actor and you can see the extension cord behind them because they just <laughs> used a flash. I mean, you know, to, you know I, I, I went out there in light checks with a tripod and, you know, figuring out the isos on my camera to get the low lighting but they they can do that for you and you know you might be able to get a deal you know a lot of photographers aren't that busy in october you know the wedding season's wind down so you might be able to get a good deal and really get something that can showcase your haunt uh and and use it on your websites and your social media i i can't tell you how many haunts i go through and it's a digital drawing or something of a monster or something i'm like i want to know what your haunt looks like i want to know what i what i'm in for just the taste of it and you know it's it's always some cgi or computer generated thing and you're like all right well am i am i going to spend money on that or am i going to go someplace where i know what it looks like oh look there's torches and a hayride there i'm going to that one or wait pacific rim is on tnt tonight maybe i'll just stay home and watch that instead and that would be the worst thing Oh, yeah, absolutely. 
Well, I, I was just going to say, I think what we're touching on here is that the creative is so important when it comes to your marketing, the imagery, the, the pictures, the videos, um, the creative that you're using, not only is it kind of where that stuff is placed and what you're saying and sticking to your brand and, you know, the targeting and all of that, but the creative is a big part of it. I want to step in on that too, but before we move on, um, just to say you cannot go hire any professional photographer these people for, or just any or, i think yeah. is. <laughs> um you really need someone who has experience not just in low lighting in haunt so definitely go hire like the rogues hollow the slash visual the blind seven you know go hire the people that have the experience in haunt because the worst thing you can do is hire a wedding photographer to come photograph your haunt and think that's going to be okay. Cause we like, as an agency, we turn down creative a lot of time, forcing clients to go reshoot things that they may have spent thousands of dollars on, but it's because they've done it wrong. People outside of the industry, when they think of Halloween and haunted houses, especially if they're just a professional photographer that's shooting, you know, basic, we'll say shooting normie stuff, right? These photographers, they get excited about haunted um, and Halloween content and they want to see all the blood and they want to like, hey, uh, grab this person's throat and put them against the wall kind of thing. Well, that kind of stuff, it, it's definitely going to look hardcore, but I can tell you who's not going to like it. You know, Google. Google's not going to like that. Facebook's um, not going to like Facebook. it. Facebook. TikTok's not going to like it. Yeah. TikTok, definitely not going to like it. So, um, you know, as marketing professionals, you know, definitely be very careful about following some passionate people. Even if they're people on staff with you, you want to make sure that the content you're capturing for your marketing uh, is, is going to fly, you know, and is going to go the distance. You want it to play well on these platforms. Yeah. We always say that, you know, mar your marketing plan is success. The way it's successful is 50% of the creative and then 50% of the strategy. And that's a huge percent put on your creative. And if you skimp on any of that, people will notice and it will not do you any favors. It may actually turn people away. So you have to like do it right. And just all I can say is just like, just spend the money, well, whatever it costs, just spend the money. Yeah. Think about, you know, you'll, you know, the difference, just we're all consumers, right? We can tell the difference between something that is worth something and then something that doesn't look like something I want to buy. Right. You just visually from looking at something, you can tell that. Um, and these days, especially with younger markets, you know, you're not going to get but a few seconds of their attention to capture them, um, especially with the paid stuff. We have a lot of video content that we shot for clients. And it's like right after that three second mark, there is a huge decline in viewership because that's all the time they're giving you on something, you know, and it's just like, man, I it needs to be great. But it also needs to be something that kind of follows some of the guidelines of, of where you're placing mm -hmm. it. Yep. So as in all things, do your homework, hire yep. professionals. I mean, wouldn't it be great if there were like a full service advertising agency that was really devoted to and specializing in haunted attractions? If only that resource were available 
I think so many haunted attractions would do so much better. You Where know, would Dick, we find that? I, I totally agree, Dick. Um, I agree with you 100%. Wow, that, um, that's such a great idea. Um, <laughs> we're going to write that down. We always try to like, work on that. <laughs> when we do, like, when we do, like, whether it's the wormhole that we do on our social media, our podcast, or, uh, yeah, or we, or we do panels like this, or we're at transfer teaching, we always have a rule we do not pitch. So, yeah. <laughs> Dick, I appreciate the uh, the pitch you did Look, for us. I've, there. I've known your you guys for years. I've known you guys for years. I will always be your ambassador because everything I see that comes from you guys is top notch. You always have the client's best interest at heart, and what you do works. You'll get a chance oh, to plug at the end of the show. We we appreciate that. Dick. <laughs> We really do appreciate that, but this is kind of another testament to really this industry and how many passionate people you have within it. And we all know what passion can do um, and how it just, it, your fire is lit. And when you really honestly care and you just um, really, it's all that, you know, just the fact that you care when you care and you can apply that passion to it. It's magic. It's absolutely magic. We genuinely care um, about our clients and we want to see them succeed. And when they do succeed, we celebrate it with them, but not because we had a hand in it, but just because that's the plan, man. The plan is to succeed. When we succeed, the industry succeeds. The whole industry is affected by it. It's one of those things like the rising tide rises all ships, right? Or raises all ships. To me, I, I really do feel like that. I feel like, you know, the industry gets better. And if we can have a hand in that and helping these attractions reach their potential, man, I'm going to feel great about that at the end of the day. I'm going to feel great. And it's, and it's not about, you know, getting a bigger piece of the pie. It's about making a bigger pie. And, you know, if that's what we're there to do, everybody wins. That's I exactly think, right. I think the way this industry is doing right now, y'all, the way this industry is performing is proof right there. The proof is in the pudding that we've been doing our work because Halloween is a huge industry. I mean, people are spending more money than they ever have on Halloween. Um, you know, we're... Are we ever going to reach Christmas? I mean, no. that's that's well, a tough. But one. we're number two. But we are number we two are, behind Christmas. We are number two. Yeah, that's we're growing it. faster than Christmas. No, yeah. are we? Are we growing faster than Christmas? Yeah. Well, we when you know, well, Christmas yeah. already has pretty much of a foothold. So yeah. Yes. Yeah, yeah. It, it's hard for Christmas to grow any further, especially as oh, you get. Oh, we're coming for you, Santa. We're coming. <laughs> <laughs> I need that if, clip. <laughs> before we get too far into trashing christmas i do want to remind you that you are listening to the round table of terror here on the big scary show we're talking marketing and advertising with our very special guests laura kilpatrick tyler barnett and dick terhune as well as the regular goes we're going to take a very short break here and we'll be right back are you looking for a comprehensive ticketing solution for your haunted attraction HauntPay has the answer. We skip the features you don't need and focus on the ones you like, such as timed ticketing and repeat time slots, variable ticket types, bundle and combo tickets, social media discounts, 
and now featuring all-in-one options including managing your tickets online and at the door, as well as upselling and managing your merchandise and concessions with a comprehensive report on everything at the end of the night. Head on over to hauntpay.com and get started in 60 seconds for free. And we're back to the round table of terror with our very special guest, Dick Terhune, Tyler Barnett, Laura Kilpatrick, talking marketing and advertising. Um, I wanted to bring this quick question up before we start getting into budgeting and things like that. Um, if you're a haunt like, say, Netherworld or Dark Hour or, you know, some of the what we'd call the very big boys in the industry, do you really need to spend hundreds of thousands of dollars because everybody literally across the country knows who you are and people make destination trips to come see your haunt versus say you know farmer bob's haunted trail which may not be known outside the tri-county area do they need to spend more percentage wise because of that versus the big boys that everybody's heard of and have seen on social media have seen on tv have seen on those top 10 haunts around. Obviously the, the answer, the answer is obvious to anyone drew that it's no, of course not. I mean, does Coke continue to advertise? Does <laughs> McDonald's continue to advertise? Everybody knows about, Oh wait. <laughs> yeah, no, that's a great point. And so, and using your example of netherworld, um, yes. Now you, you, you used drew, you used a very key word there percent. Um, does Netherworld spend the same percent of their gross revenue as, say, a smaller haunt would? No, they probably spend less of a percent of their gross revenue. But that number may be oh, massive yeah. compared We're talking bigger to the numbers, smaller yes. haunt. You know, and so, yeah, um, I think, yes, you know, if you're a Netherworld, if you're a Halloween Horror Nights, if you're Headless Horseman, A Dark Hour, you know, if you're one of these legacy shows, you know, Pinhurst Asylum, um, yeah, because, you know, you're now you've reached market saturation. Now you've got to keep them coming back. And so, you know, Netherworld is not going to jump up, you know, 20 percent year over year in attendance. They're probably going to jump 5 percent, 4 percent or maybe 7 percent, which that's actually healthy. Like at Fear Worm, we actually try to strive for realistic attendance goals. That's healthy for both um, the client and for us. And so we try to do things that's like, if you can grow 10% a year, anywhere between eight and 10% a year, you're going to be great. You're going to be set for life. Cause the worst thing you could do is say, um, Oh, we just did 20,000 people more than we did last year and we couldn't handle it. Now we have a bunch of bad reviews, you know, um, that's actually horrible. Yeah. You made a ton of money, but now those people aren't coming back because they had a horrible time. You got reamed on social media, which then affects your algorithm. But Yes. Does Netherworld need to spend that money? Of course they do. Yeah. And I think I would agree, um, you know, and, and there's many reasons for this, but when you have the market share that one of those bigger brands has, they have it for a reason. Um, you know, they're not only are they spending the advertising dollars, but when that customer does buy the tickets and they do come to their event, they're having a great experience. So it's, it's like this little, it's like a dance, right? both partners are, are dancing well. Um, and so it is a, uh, it's like a magic that happens, a perfect storm. But to me, if they were to pull back on those advertising dollars, they're then kind of relinquishing, they're relinquishing the control of the market and they're allowing someone to step in and reach those people. 
people have very short, uh, you know, attention, attention spans. spans. Thank you. And it's like it, anything steps in front of them, you know, and if it's a great ad, if it's a great campaign, I mean, what's in front of them is potentially going to get their, their buy. Now, if they're just a hardcore fan of Netherworld or a hardcore fan of Dark Hour, they're likely going to multiple attractions. You know, they might be supporting other things in the area as well, but they're definitely not going to miss their Netherworld. They're not going to miss their Dark Hour. But those are not the people you're trying to fight for. Those are people you already have. Um, to me, you know, I always say, if you if you don't want anything to change, you know, keep the pace, like keep, keep your budget, um, you know, definitely um, maybe look at adding a, a little thing here or there to test the water and see how much growth you can get. But you definitely don't want to pull back. If you pull back, it, it's too risky. I, I've seen people make that decision and fail. The, the other thing with some of those big ones um, is what you're advertising. You know, it's not just general for your haunt and stuff. You know, uh, Dick had mentioned McDonald's earlier. You don't see advertisements for Big Macs. You see advertisements for their app. You see advertisements for McRib because it's a limited time. It's never coming back. So they're telling you. So Again. it's it's picking and choosing. So haunts that big, you look where where you, you could use a boost. And probably 90% of the listeners out there, your VIP tickets are, you know, if, if you've hit a saturation point, that's what you should be advertising. Or even your merchandise and shirts, because as we've learned at conventions in the summer, no haunt doesn't have a box of extra shirts they couldn't sell during the season. <laughs> so there's always there's always something that you can advertise than just the haunt itself. There, there you you can pick aspects of it, and it's also you know Dick loves the unique um, uh, uh, factor in um, your haunt, which you know plays into it, and that gets the people to you. I want to jump in on that because you just made a great point as to like what it is that brand is advertising. And I want to go back to Dick's example of McDonald's and Coke of the two brands, which one has the stronger brand with their audience. It's Coca-Cola. People see McDonald's and they, all they can think of is cheap and not good for you. When you think of Coke, you think of classic Americana. I mean, which one would you rather have? Um, and so, and that's well, the thing. Can I like, go to McDonald's and get a Coke? Yes, you <laughs> right, exactly, exactly. Okay, so it's best of both uh, worlds for me then. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. There you are. And so, but that's the thing is like McDonald's will put out um, the commercials that's just like, you know, like you said, get your McRib, it's here until whatever, or download our app and you get free fries. You know, think like they're pushing, they're pushing some type of offer onto you, whereas Coke does not do that. They don't do, you'll never see a Coke ad that says buy one, get one free or half off. They'll show you the polar bears at Christmas. They'll show you the halftime show that's funny. You'll see the ad in front of the movie theaters that shows everybody enjoying an ice cold Coke, but nothing has an offer on it. And I think that's the difference is like, that's the difference between like a, what I would consider like a cheap brand versus a powerful brand like Coke. Coke doesn't care that you're going to get an offer or not. They're yeah. Coke. They're going to get your money anyways. They're they're it's, the standard. It's a different level. Um, it definitely is, you know, be between Coke and, and McDonald's. But both of those are strong brands. McDonald's, they just want to, if you're going to choose fast food, they want to be the fast food that you choose, mm -hmm. right? So they know that brand presence is important, but they know that everyone knows McDonald's. Well, you know, they do actually, you know, you, I'm glad you just mentioned that because like we always tell clients, 
when we're talking to haunters that we we want our clients brand so like if you're dark hour to be a synonym for halloween so when people think halloween they think dark hour yeah when you think fast food you think McDonald's is the very first one you think. Right. Of. Like when it's, when it's, uh, you know, fall time and you're grabbing that pumpkin spice latte and, you know, when you're reaching for those things that mean fall, um, that you're thinking about going to a haunted house that evening, mm -hmm. you know, and that's all in the brand. It's not, that's not the, that's not the ticket offer you're running right now. That's not the half off VIP. That's not the t-shirt you're selling. That's just the power of the brand. So if you're wearing, is a branding first agency. We, I don't want to say this to be like harsh or brash about it, but we could really care less about the ticket offers, ticket sales, things like that. If we're building a strong brand for our clients, the tickets will sell themselves. And that also then sets them up for greater success in the long run. I, I have to say there are places for offers and, yeah. you know, there are times when you need them. Um, and, but I mean, that's really the benefit of mm -hmm. working with an agency, I suppose, is we can help you with the strategy. We can help you identify when to do those things, but um, big brand stuff. Yeah. You know, back to the question at hand, Netherworld, um, you know, do they have to advertise? Well, we would, we yeah. would say, yeah, and, and, absolutely. And they do. <laughs> you know, and they, they, and they do. do. They certainly do. <laughs> yeah. I remember I, I, someone I, who was very intelligent. Um, he had some kind of special on a previous podcast where he said, don't advertise your square footage because no one cares that you have the scariest <laughs> yeah, 40,000 no square cares. feet. <laughs> no one cares. I have immense respect for that, who, for that person, whoever he or she may have been. <laughs> Must have been a genius who quoted that. An evil super <laughs> genius. <in fact. laughs> but like but you, do, you do, uh, you do ask, bring up an interesting question because uh, does a large scale haunt like a dark hour, netherworld, 100 acre man or whatever, do they promote more of the buy one, get one free, buy our VIP, or do they just say, we're netherworld, this is who we are, I versus it, the Farmer Brown's you know, haunted trail, come out, we have a radio station giving away free tickets, we have you know, the local restaurant giving out free coffee and donuts, you know, that kind of stuff. It just, I just wonder if the smaller and medium-sized people focus more on trying to get you to buy a ticket with a special attached to it, as opposed to, like you say, the big boys who may or may not actually need yeah. to advertise that kind of stuff. I think it depends on the goal. You know, the goals are different for those shows. You know, if you're hundred acre manor in other world, your goal is to sustain the business you got. If you're, you know, Joe Bob's house of jump scares down the road, you know, your, your, your goal is to grow. You, you want to grow. And I, and I think also, you know, for larger beastly shows, you know, fear factory and, Salt Lake City and, and this is, is also a big one. And, you know, their goals are different as in they are already, you know, reaching those uh, attendance. Um, they're hitting their levels of attendance that they want to on certain nights. So now their new goal is how can I get someone here on a Wednesday? How can I get someone here ready to get scared on a Tuesday? Or how do I get them excited about this side event that we do that is a Monday ticket and it's just a, a tour and it's a ghost tour or something. So they want to, you know, get not only more out of the consumers that they do have merch sales, things like that, but they are needing to move these just standard general admission ticket purchasers yeah. to other evenings. Yeah. Like, so going back to the goals, I mean, we will we'll all see Disney ads 
you know, when you buy a, a, a family of four vacation, you could save money. You know, so even Disney as a theme park pushes deals and offers. So we're not saying that Netherworld or Hundred Acre Manor or Fear Factory doesn't or shouldn't or doesn't need to push an offer. They do. It's just that the goal is different. So like Laura's saying, you know, what we've what we have learned is that as no matter how hard we try, and last year was a great case study in this, you're just not going to move haunt goers to September. It's not going to happen, no matter the offer, no matter the show. So what happens in is where can we move people just earlier into October? So that's like what you're saying with Fear Factory. How can we move people to a Wednesday, to a Tuesday? Right. And you do that with offers and deals and, and things like that. Um, but I do think, you know, the goals are different for a, a smaller attraction or a medium sized attraction. That's just really needing to focus on go goals and growth because they're not hitting the numbers that they could. They're not you know, they, they still have maybe, um, empty, <clears throat> empty queue lines during certain nights. And I will say this too. It depends on the quality of the show. Mm. So if the smaller haunt has like, sorry, I don't know. Can we swear on this show? <laughs> I don't know. PG 13. Okay. So if yes, a haunt has slightly. a shitty show, um, that's, that's then, your one. yeah, <laughs> right. Then, um, if, you know, if the show is horrible, then it doesn't matter if your tickets are free, no one's going to go. And so if you're, if your goal is to grow and you want to grow to one day be the level of another world, then first have a killer show that people over time will beg to see. Then at the same time, while you're new and you've only been open a year or so, have a killer show and killer ticket deals. So then what happens is you grow your audience faster. The people that do come that take, that take advantage of those deals will go and just, brag about you everywhere the worst thing that can happen is that you offer these ticket deals you know it's half off vip they come out and they have a horrible time you yeah. just lost that person for life if your goal if your goal is only getting butts and seats and you're not worried about your customer experience while they're there you're not going to get that returning customer and they're not going to leave a, a great review that does anything for you as far as like user generated content or ugc as we call it in the business mm -hmm. Um, a lot of that is very valuable to these small to mid-range haunted attractions. Go leave a bad review on Netherworld and it's really not going to hurt them too much. But one bad review, uh, you know, at Joe Bob's place or something like that, it, it could really um, turn some people away from buying that ticket. We mm -hmm. hate to see that. We definitely want, you know, it, it's a great partnership when your marketing brings the people in, but you also just... The customer has a great time when yeah. they're there. And the, a great example of this is a client of ours in Cincinnati, the Dent Schoolhouse. So, you know, the Dent Schoolhouse, yes, we run ticket deals, you know, I have all that stuff, but it's also a great show. Like if you love just that classic Halloween, scary, you know, they got the jack lanterns they got the, this year they had the new Midway, it's expanded and people were loving the Midway. Um, if you provide that great event. And I think that's the other thing that's really changing with the industry, especially the mindset of haunted house owners. And, and thankfully, because we've been saying this for years, is that we're not in the haunted house industry. We're in the entertainment industry. And we have to look at our events as just another brand of entertainment, like going to the movie theater, going to the Renaissance Fair, going to Disney, and then look at every aspect of that. How are your merch sales? How are your food and beverage? How's your um, parking situation? Like, what is what is your overall event vibe? Like, are people going to love it or are they going to hate it? Yeah, the attendee experience. Yeah. You know, it's... it's. 
I know in website design, we talk about UX. That's user experience with web design. Well, what's the UX of your show? What yeah. is the UX of your event? Because that's how you have to think about it. Like we go to Halloween Horror Nights every single year. And every time I go, I do the same thing. We get the blinky cups with the cocktails <laughs> in it because you get the refills. We get the Halloween Horror Nights merchandise, the specialty cupcake, the candy. You know, it's like a tradition. When I go to the Renaissance Fair, I get the turkey leg. I get, you know, the souvenir handmade notebook, you know, and all that stuff. And you so the merch. it becomes a tradition. That's how you have to look at your event is yeah. that it becomes this fall tradition, just like the corn maze, the pumpkin patch. How can you improve the overall event so that more people come and when they're there, they spend more money and you're just selling out everything. It's a chemistry and the marketing. I mean, there's a recipe to it. There's a science to it. Um, but it, it, it works in conjunction with everything going on boots on the ground at your event. And it's like the people that we see, do well um, and get a better return on their ad spend are the ones that are putting in the work at the show. Honestly. Speaking of recipes and science and ad spend, might this be a good time to talk about budgeting? Oh, that's a good topic. Um, yeah. What an uh, excellent segue. Know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That was great. Don't try you it at home, folks. I'm a professional. <laughs> Leave it to the professionals. Uh, you know, this is one of the biggest questions that we get at Fearworm all the time is people will come up and ask, um, how much should I be spending on my marketing? Am I spending too much? Am I not spending enough? Where should I be spending it? And it's such a loaded question that really could be a whole podcast on its own. And the best way to do it is talk about gross revenue. And just to start, I'm going to just go ahead and throw it out. If anyone is telling you that it's just this fixed dollar amount per person, instantly just stop listening. Like, that's not what it is. Just like any business, it is a percent of gross revenue. And I say gross rather than net because marketing is a business expense. So it comes out of gross budget. Um, and depending on the show, it could be anywhere from 16% of gross revenue to as high as 35% of gross revenue. Now that's quite the range. So the factors that go into that would be like, how new are you? If you're brand new, you're going to be spending a much higher percent of your gross revenue because you're competing against all the other entertainments. You're wanting to grow faster and you have to establish your brand. Outreach marketing is the most expensive and difficult marketing you can do. Remarketing, once you get people on some kind of list, whether it's views or emails, things like that, you've got those people. Those are cheaper to remarket to. They're more likely to come out. But broad outreach marketing is expensive, so it takes more money. As your show grows and your brand becomes more present, becomes stronger in your market, your percent that you're spending of gross revenue can start to come down. Now, that may mean you spend more in the actual dollars are going up, but the overall percent of your gross is coming down. That's just more money in your pocket. Yeah, we also use these figures it, because we're dealing in percentages and then, of course, numbers when it comes to gross revenues. You can then use these um, pieces of this as part of an equation to do projections. So let's say you want to get some number of gross. Well, then, you know, you look ahead in the future and you're like, this is where I want to be. Well, if that's where you want to be here's the, here's the number you need to be spending based on, um, well, I mean, it really is a science. Yeah. There's a direct correlation between the amount of advertising media dollars you spend and the attendance you get. 
Um, so as an example, let's say you're a small time haunt. You're doing, let's say you're doing 6,000 people a year and you have a ticket price of what? $30, I think is now the average ticket price for a haunt. I would say. That means your gross revenue is at least the very bottom, $180,000. Now, let's say you've been open a couple years, but you're kind of in a rural market, so it takes a little bit to get out to you. You're now starting like starting at that 16% gross. We're now kind of like adding percents now. You're rural. You're in the middle of nowhere. We're going to add, you know, three or 4%. You're a newer haunt at a percent or two. Um, if your show's not that great, add <laughs> another 5%, you know, things like that. But so as an example, though, let's just say you should be spending 22% of your gross revenue. So that would roughly mean about $40,000. It's $39,600 is what your marketing budget should be. Now, I will have to say, too, this is what we would suggest um, for ad spend. Uh, this does not really include any figures if you need a new website, if you needed, um, you wanted to rebrand or like, something yeah, like that. If you, need a, if you need things like a logo, a website, you have to assume those are what we would get, what I would consider like a fixed cost. You're going to pay for them once, get your logo done, get it done well. You have it for years. Mm -hmm. Get your website done. You know, you'll have that for forever. And of course, you know, it'll always need, you know, websites are never done. They're the living storefront of your business. And so they constantly need updating and watching. But, you know, the maintenance fees on those are way less than the initial design and production of your website or your photography. You know, you could do photography every two years, but that's kind of a fixed cost. So you're not having to pay for things, you know, uh, every single year. You could so, break up the cost of that over several years. And for for this kind of made up situation that we're using as an example, you know, almost forty thousand dollars can be a lot for somebody that is, um, you know, a, a first time haunted attraction owner, they're just getting started. You know, maybe they don't have that in their budget. Well, you got to start somewhere. And so I would absolutely say like, let's say the numbers don't work for you. You're, you, you're at home right now and you're listening and you've got your calculator out and you're like, okay, like uh, here's my number. This is what I want to do. And, and here's what I should be spending. And, you're not there yet. That is okay. You know, some of my favorite haunted attractions in this industry started as home haunts. So, you know, there's, there's room for growth. And so now you just have a goal, you know, where you need to be to kind of um, start gaining some traction. But the answer then is take what you can spend or what you do have and make sure that you are more calculated with it. Make sure that you have a strategy that makes sense and that you're not wasting it on something that's not going to do great for you. Yeah, that's the next step is in just deciding where does that money go? And I want to go back to the example because um, the example I gave you guys that was like almost $40,000, that was for a haunt doing roughly 6,000 people a year. And there's, that's 22% of their gross revenue. Now let's look at it, maybe a bigger haunt. What if you're a haunt that's doing 70,000 people a year and you have the same $35 ticket? That's $2.4 million that you're making in the fall. Well, let's just say that they're a well-established brand and they're only doing the 16% of gross revenue. That's nearly $400,000. So while their percent of gross is way lower than the 22%, their actual marketing budget is extremely like higher. Um, but what that means though is that's more money in their pocket, that they, they can easier swallow that lower percent of gross than a smaller haunt can, which is a competitive advantage 
over the smaller haunts. And I would say at that at that rate, too, of a marketing budget, they're going to be very diversified. Yep. They're going to have billboards and they're going to have multiple billboards. They're going to have um, digital boards as well, not just print. And there's probably some, you know, awesome big uh, icon character campaign that's been well thought out and, and executed over multiple different and those platforms. Are the sh- and those are the shows that are owning the platforms, meaning like if you if let's say you're in a market and you just cannot seem to escape an ad from another haunted house in your market, it's probably because they're just outspending you. You know, when you have that kind of budget, we're putting probably fifty to sixty thousand dollars just to Google, or they another could, fifty just to Facebook, Instagram, or they could be geofencing your attraction. Oh, that could also be because <laughs> we are yeah. just targeting you. Yeah, we do that with our clients for sure, but you know, they could just be that. <laughs> Let me ask a quick question here. Um, Dick, I met you first in 2008. My God, it's been 15 years. Happy anniversary. Thank you. We'll have a cake. (laughs) Um, And I would say the overwhelming majority of advertising back then, in the before time, was probably billboards and radio and TV. And, you know, with digital streaming, I'm going to go out on a limb. And Jim, maybe you can back me up on this. I'm going to say that the majority of people who listen to our show are now listening to it on streaming platforms rather than getting it straight off our website. I was at a convention this weekend. I told people, you know, we're on all the streaming platforms and they immediately would whip out their phone and say, are you on Spotify? Yes. Boom. Subscribed. Um, how relevant is something like billboards, radio, TV versus streaming services and how effective are ads on streaming services for haunted attractions? Well, I don't think it's a, a versus conversation. Um, it entirely depends on the effectiveness of your advertising, on your spend, on your strategy, on your branding. I mean, if you're in a small to medium market and you're putting a big chunk of your money in radio, you're probably going to do well, but you also better be doing social media. If you're in a larger market, you better be doing mostly social media and streaming. Um, there's no one size fits all answer. And I know our, our dear friends at Fearworm can probably address this more scientifically, Um, but what I always look at first is the content that, I mean, I, I like to talk about the three cons, consistent, continuous content across your entire brand. Um, you should have a story that has a beginning, a middle and an end, and your advertising is definitely the beginning of your story. Never give the whole thing away as so many people are inclined to do. They want to tell everything about the haunt. No, 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 no. Your advertising must create a mystery that can only be solved by the price of a ticket. That is such a great point, Dick. And I think I want to lean to a great example of this is the, um, the marketing we put out there for Brighton Asylum in New Jersey for their, just this past Valentine's day event. Um, 
we basically shot the the concept of the event. We came in and we're like, we're gonna change your event because <laughs> they they were doing like they would just open up for Valentine's and I think in the past maybe it was maybe like a glow stick show or something. It was a it was a little candle. It was one of those um, tea lights that is like electric, it's yeah, battery, battery operated powered. and so it flickers a little bit. And they would give it um you know to the people walking through. Each group only got this one tea light, and so a lot of the marketing pieces that we would shoot for them or that Rogues Hollywood would be like the couple kind of huddling together yeah, in the Valentine's, dark with that a, one little tea light. Yeah. You know? And so we came in and, and we're like, we're like, Rich, we're going to, we're going to just change your com completely change your event. It had gotten a little stale. Yeah. Um, and we're, what we're going to do, and we're going to, we're going to push these limits and we're going to turn Brighton Asylum into this rave BDSM nightclub. And yeah. all the doctors and patients or the doctors and nurses are going to be wearing tight leather spandex bondage gear all the patients are going to be exactly as you would see them during halloween except now they're just being played with so by the doctors and nurses i have to kind of scale this back just a little bit with one note now large markets have seen uh the likes of something similar to this campaign that we ran through american horror story mm -hmm. and so because that has paved the way for something like this to not be to be shocking in the right way and not shocking in a sexually suggestive way. Well, yes, right? that's the thing. We could get away from yeah. with this in New York City. We could not. <laughs> it's not going to work. It's not going to work in every market. But because the market kind of is already aware of that kind of shock imagery um, and content content regarding being scared, we kind of took inspiration from that American Horror Story world. Whereas you would see kind of. Um, you know, that uh, gimp suit or whatever so, well, that's what I want, I want to jump in on Dick's note there is that we, when we shot this, we didn't show the haunt at all. There was nothing like within the haunt that was shown in the commercial or marketing for this event. It was just the one character. It was, we built a white room. It was all white. We had an actress in a skin tight gimp suit that was all white wearing white leather. And she had a gimp hood on. Dental distortions. Yeah, you could see her teeth and her mouth and Contacts. you could see her eyes. So mm -hmm. from that, yeah. We had like the crazy contacts, the yeah. monster makeup around the eyes, the dental distortions teeth. Mm -hmm. So that's the only instance of, say, like a monster you would get from the video. And basically what we were going for there was striking. We just wanted to hit that market with something they had never seen before. Brighton Asylum is a fairly large brand in that area, but yeah, they approached or maybe we're hitting market mm. saturation. So at that point, you really have to take a risk in order to get a reward. And that's exactly what we did. And so we kind of gave the actress this bucket of, <clears throat> of black liquid and we dropped um, an anatomical. Yeah, it's like a foam heart. An anatomical heart in it. And so she just kind of at one point in the um, ad campaign, she reaches in this bucket and she pulls out with her gloved hand, gloved white, like leather hand um this black dripping heart and it was so striking and then we took that piece and you know edited edited that content you know for for different yeah. platforms and stuff but and the and the moral of that story is, is that the valentine's event financially for Brighton Asylum was twice as accessible as it was previous year. Yeah. And he, so he only did the, um, he did the event one night versus two. So he even gained um, from not having the overhead of both nights, which I think is, is also a win for him in this regard, yeah. but we took a, took a risk with the creative and it really shook things up. Now that, that is such a great way also to both 
tie in and break through traditional Valentine's Day advertising for a very non-traditional Valentine's Day event. Genius. Exactly right. Yeah, and and by all means, like go go to uh, the Brighton site on social media. Check out. You might have to scroll. But I mean, Valentine's was last week, so I know we're getting ready mm-hmm. to launch. Um, at least the recording date of today, we're getting ready to launch. Um, the St. Patrick's, Patrick's Day stuff. Yeah, which again will be striking. It's an, another striking campaign. Definitely different. You know, we didn't go with the standard leprechaun choice um, that you usually Is see. Is it wearing a gimp mask? No, no, unfortunately not. <laughs> well, at least it's not the feature. Of but let's campaign. not, we won't talk about that. Maybe stuff, I shouldn't not, give it away. Yeah, no spoilers. Not, no spoilers. No spoilers. But definitely scroll back and see the Valentine's because it's like, like it, it is striking when you're at a haunted house and all you're seeing is bright white. You know, it's, it's very striking. It's not what you would expect, but they had rave reviews. Yeah, people um, loved it. People loved it. We even changed the music. Oh, and we, that's the other thing, too. We changed the event itself. Like, we changed the soundtrack to the show, the lighting mm-hmm. of the show, the characters and costuming of the show. Like, we changed it all. And now, people loved it. Now, Rich, I have to say, he trusted us to do that. Yeah. You know, we're not going to get that with every client we work with. Um, and we wouldn't ask that from everyone. This was kind of one of those special case situations where the client kind of came to us and they're like, what can we do? What can we do? Because I, 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 I'm yeah, apparently I've tried not, everything. I try it. We're not to be growing. Right. What can I do? And so we, as a team sat down with them and said, how, how crazy <laughs> are you ready to get? And then we just let that inspiration <laughs> to, fly to quote Michael Keaton. You want to get nuts? <laughs> Let's get nuts. <laughs> <laughs> what is your smallest haunt that you work with? Oh, should we name the haunt or should we just name maybe like the well, size of budget? <laughs> you can, yeah, you can hard... just give generalizations. Yeah, just generalization. Yeah, I mean, our smallest client has, I think, less than a $10,000 budget. Um, that yeah. does limit kind of what we do. At that point, we'll just do maybe one or two things for you. Yeah. I mean, obviously, our then, of course, on the opposite end, our, our, our largest client is spending, you know, $300,000. Yes. So, so there's a huge range and it really did, it really just kind of, you, you can't do as much, but you become this partner to their growth. And so being able to see these smaller clients, you know, increase their, their revenue, uh, increase their attendance numbers, and then they're increasing their budget. And, you know, we're trying new things. We're adding TikTok the next year. We're adding social media or something like that for them the next. um, Now, and and for like, as a social media, great example would be, um, they're not our smallest client, but Hatch and Craven's Slaughterplex. <gasps> Hatch and Craven's Slaughterplex you know, is a smaller haunt. Um, and but what's great about it is they're so passionate. The owner Barry, he's a good friend of ours. They're located in North Texas. Um, yeah. And uh, and he's just so passionate about his show. He loves his actors. He treats them all like family. And you yeah. know we'll come out and we'll do these shoots. And the shoots we do there, I would have to say, are different than say we would do at Brighton Asylum, just because. We're, we're usually under a time crunch with that show. We have to shoot everything in one night. It's an outdoor show, so we have to shoot it at night. Um, and so we kind of have to think of what are the creative things we can do to really make that show stand out. So we like like this past year, I don't know why we did this, but like, we shot in July in Texas. And even at night, it was 105 degrees. Our cameras were overheating. Um, it was, and we decided to play with fire for the shoot. It so was, of course we did. <laughs> yeah. It was, it was hot, but let me yeah. tell you that content we got was fire, but I, I really appreciate <laughs> you bringing fun. up Hatch and Cravens. They're one of our, our smaller budget clients, but they still get 
great attention from us, you know. Yeah, we and they've, been, out, they've grown year over year. I we, mean, they're so happy. And, yeah. And it's a, one of those examples, too, where it's like, you know, they are kind of in the middle of nowhere. They have to pull from, like, that southern Oklahoma, north Dallas area. Um, and it's hard, you know, when you're when you're a small haul and you're not as well known as, say, like, a dark hour. Um, it's hard to get people out there. But once they're out there, I promise you, they have a hell of a time. But there's a recipe for that. There's a recipe for it for every brand. Because to me, you know, it, it, it definitely it basically lies in what you're doing with the things that you're doing, you know, um, and you can. Uh, you know, that was one thing that I think Hatch and Cravens, they, you know, they kind of had a couple people there that had their hands in the pot. Some of the actors were posting pictures that, you know, it, it wasn't really under control or whatever, mm-hmm. but it was kind of loosey goosey and everything. Yeah, we ran that in. Yes. And we gave them professional things to post and share. And we gave them a few rules. You can't post it until the brand shares it first. Yeah. Then you can post it. Right. Um, and a little bit of direction, you know. That show, uh, it's it's not for the faint of, uh, of and heart. So, and that say. might be that might be a good kind of callback to Jonna's point of yeah of like yes, if you're an actor, don't post your makeup, don't post your costume, don't post your room. But if that's part of the commercial, and then that person is seen, like once the brand publishes it first, then that Share actor it. should be able to post whatever they want. Yeah, now it's out there. Yeah. Um, and so that's kind of, I guess that would be a great rule of thumb. For that type of content yeah we definitely did see some of that with hatch and cravens and you know just setting those rules but yeah. they get so excited that's, to see that's themselves in the marketing they get excited know? these actors you know they're yeah. so passionate especially when we're shooting content that is awesome and like like i said we had we had fire breathers we had explosions in the video and the, we're not even talking like cgi things here like like a green screen explosion like no we had fire on site blowing things up and we're filming the chainsaw actor in front of it and we, we we filmed it in slow motion so it's even more epic i feel and like our insurance rates are going to go up after this uh after this show <laughs> <laughs> maybe well hatch and craven's insurance maybe uh Ooh, they do use but i mean it just it just comes machetes. down <laughs> it just comes down to the content and how do you create that striking image that gets people to stop scrolling on their phone and actually pay attention for more than three seconds no matter the budget there is a calculated use for it. There is a strategy that you can begin to then exponentially grow, you know, over time, over years, you got to start somewhere, you know, and this industry is, is great for the growth. I mean, seeing these home haunts become professional shows like that is (laughs) like dark hour. (laughs) That's that's in the sauce. It's in the sauce of the haunt industry. We see it all the time and it's, it's magic, you know? Yeah, and you know, and another great example of like what we talk about, what Dick was mentioning was a striking creative and that content. You know, a new client that's it's a brand new haunt last year um, was Aura Haunted House in Peoria, Illinois, and they're inside an actual old uh, like hospital. Yeah, like it was a, a hospital an asylum or something. Yeah, it was the tuberculosis building of the old Peoria State Hospital. So of course, with that, we had to play a lot into the medical aspect of that, but also being a little sensitive to the market because. People did have family members that were in that hospital. This is the same problem we run into for Pinhurst Asylum or Eloise Asylum. Yeah. Um, and so, but that content, like we shot so much stuff. I mean, we still have content we didn't even use that we're going to reuse or use the new stuff we this were, year. We were very 
picky with what we released, even though we had so much great content, you know, this kind of goes back to what Dick was saying. And it's like, you know, if you're, if you're going to throw all these different things at them and messaging and everything, it's not very cohesive. It's not very consistent. You're not like, um, you know, if you, if you rein it in and you focus on just a few elements that really belong together, um, that's a great puzzle piece to throw out there for your brand. The way we do that is that we'll oftentimes, I guess every time really, we'll have multiple takes with the same actors. And so you can have consistent content with the same people, but if you just change a shot, it looks different. Like instead of the actor, you know, slowly walking down your hallway, now they're chasing you down the hallway. But it's the same actor. It's the same hallway. It's the same thing. You know, you they've could, seen it before. You could even reverse the footage. Yeah. And then all of a sudden you're getting this weird, like, backwards type of mm-hmm. motion. When, um, you know, we've had before, too, where we've shot and asked them to walk backward. And then we play it forward, you know. Um, any. Well, that's what they, that's, that's just a classic um movie making trick they used in the um the ring is that the the actress that played samara would actually walk backwards and then when they reverse it she's walking forward but because it's a little unnatural it just doesn't doesn't seem right right. you know your eye catches it like what's going on here something's not right yeah we do that stuff all the time well we're We're looking at the clock here And we do need to probably start winding this down just a little uh, bit. We will so talk forever, Drew. But we'll we're be- having oh, too much fun. <laughs> we will have to do a part two of this at some point in the future. But um, any uh, other questions from the host before we slowly start winding this down? I- I'd say the quick, uh, fast answer question is, is there something a haunt isn't utilizing enough in uh, for marketing right now? Yeah, quick quick answer emails email marketing yeah i think we've seen a lot of um growth in the performances of email marketing and we've actually seen where the only thing that we focused on for like a a pre-season pre-sale very heavy email marketing um once they're already on your list and they and they've been to your show there's a pretty good chance that they'll return if they've had a good experience. So using that, using your list that you already have and remarketing to them yep. using email is, is so um, it's, it, it's powerful. I know a lot of listeners are probably like, what email? Like what's yeah. going on? But well, if, you, if you think about it, every high schooler now has to have an email since COVID, you know, there's so many things that are um, digital now with education that, you know, kids have to have, they have to have email. And I would branch off of that too. And, and say like SMS marketing, text message marketing, you know, for the right reason or for the right offer. Um, someone will sign up and give you their phone number, but I would, it definitely- can work. However, I'm going to put a big warning on that. A big warning. Um, SMS marketing, text message marketing is heavily regulated. And unless someone has specifically opted in to receiving marketing, you cannot send them a, a marketable ed- message via text. I think Dead End Hayride does this really well. Um, so definitely you can go to the uh, deadendhayride.com and check out their website. They have a text message signup um, that, uh, that they have there as part of their plan. And people, they're seeing really great success with it, yeah. but they don't abuse it. They're not, you know, texting all the time um they're very calculated in what they do share yeah as a way. caveat if you, if you don't if you don't want to dump in if you don't want to jump into the text world you can messenger marketing and whatsapp is probably your best next option so that would be 
What's messenger marketing like? What would be a good company to look at? Oh, Fearworm. <laughs> Besides Fearworm. Uh, mini chat. I mean, mini chat. Mini chat. Yeah. There we go. That's what we were looking for. I have a question. Is it ever too early to start marketing, like going to festivals and um, a guerrilla marketing, you know, those type of things, you know, uh, going to community events and stuff. Is it ever too early to start marketing? Oh, no. And that's, it's funny because like when you mentioned that earlier, when we were chatting, um, you had used the word advertising and not marketing. Is it too early to start advertising? Yes. Is it too early to start marketing? No, never, never. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. You're always marketing. Like we yeah. have a program that uh, with fear worms, we call it fear all year. And it's basically year-round social media management for our clients. We have several clients that do the program. And what that does, and Laura will be able to maybe explain it better in a short amount of time, I'll say, (laughs) um, is that it keeps that social media algorithm fed all year long so that by the time fall rolls around, the algorithm has already figured out who you're trying to market to. Yeah. I don't know. I I wouldn't expand on that. But, you know, I I did hear Jonna say guerrilla marketing. Oh, yeah. And that gets me excited. I think haunted attractions need to be doing more of that, but they need to be doing more of that in its, in its, in its form, guerrilla marketing, what it really is. And I think some people in this industry maybe don't know what that is. You know, um, guerrilla marketing is outside of the box type of stuff. It's not just your logo on a pen. It's not just your uh, flyers that you're putting out. It is a calculated, um, you know, strategic type of like almost artistic in a way um, campaign where you inject yourself into the everyday, um, you know, daily activities of your target market and you interrupt their, their norm. You, you, you cause them to stop and think. I think we all remember seeing the videos of like the uh, flash mobs, like the dancers or the singers or like the random orchestra that just happens to be at the mall. And now they're all just playing a song for everybody like that is could be used for guerrilla marketing. So like, let's just say um, a flash mob, like an orchestra came up and just started playing the theme to Star Wars and then started giving out free tickets to see the next Star Wars movie in the th- in the mall. You know, it's just like. That is kind of like, and that's a, that I think we need to maybe mention guerrilla marketing, if done right, can be hugely successful. But if done wrong, and it's so easy to do wrong because yeah. you don't want it to come off as like cheap or annoying. <laughs> do we have time for me to give a good example that I saw executed recently for guerrilla marketing for something? I just sure. don't know. If yeah, we can make some time. Yeah, quickly. So, um, are you all in the panel? Are you um, are you familiar with the movie Smile? Yes. Okay. So, what I saw Smile do, um, and the PR specifically behind this movie, is you know during sporting events, baseball games, um, during news broadcasting that was happening, and just everyday morning specials and stuff like that, just regular everyday stuff. You go to a baseball game, you get a hot dog, whatever. This televised, these televised events, um, they were sticking a, an actor or an actress in direct line of sight from, of a camera, of a, a camera, of, of a broadcast camera. And what was happening is they were just smiling. So in the- they didn't, they didn't uh, move. They didn't, it was a very creepy smile. 
And you would see it, you know, because it would be strategically placed. <laughs> it would be right behind the catcher of like the baseball game. Sure, sure. And they just smiled. And it which was, is an which is an aspect of the movie. Like that's a key point. Right. Of the movie. And but what was key there is it matched their marketing promotional materials. So what was happening is you were seeing the smile, but it was registering. And then people were taken to social media and they were sharing the recorded um, airings, you know, of these situations because that's shocking. Do you remember were those people were those actors wearing a shirt that said like had the logo smile? You know, or... I'll be honest, I don't remember exactly. I, don't remember I, I just and, remember the smile. <laughs> and I remember the smile. And that to me right there shows me that they were well executed smiles. Um, but stuff like that is what I would consider guerrilla marketing. Now not everybody, not all haunts or attractions have the marketing budget that some like big movie release is going to have, right? Um, but I guarantee you that guerrilla marketing is is somewhere we need to be looking. You know, at. a great idea going back to the flash mob. A great idea would be like, why don't you have a bunch of funeral mourners just show up looking like they're pale? They've got their black parasols. Just show up at the mall. Or show up at a football game. Now that you know that would work if it worked with your brand, yeah. like Evil Intentions. That is a haunted attraction that is in a, an old casket company building. So then, like the funeral mourners make sense, mm -hmm. and if that story is to told well enough and it's done well enough, you walk away with the memory of the brand and the curiosity of of then finishing out that story at the attraction. It has to be entertaining though, because you can't do these things if it's not. If, if, it's, if it's annoying, like if you're going to go somewhere and just end up annoying somebody, you actually then damage your brand. Yeah. And like you with, have the, to be... with the character from Smile, not bothering anybody. No. Because the target was the camera of the well, broadcasted sports and news. It, and it was probably planned, right? They had coordinated this. They had permission. They yeah. probably paid uh, for it. But the thing is, you know, you, you could absolutely go crazy with a guerrilla marketing campaign and break some rules in your city or something like that. And then the city is mad at you. We don't want that. You know, we, we, we don't want to go crazy. The, um, the idea there is calculated, but man, untapped is that largely untapped. I think we could get away with some of that mm -hmm. I, and I'm excited by it. I hope we do it. Yeah, I heard that they were making a sequel to smile called fart. And I'm now afraid of the guerrilla marketing they're going to do with that. Yeah, Tyler's running that campaign himself. Actually, he could speak. Yeah, okay, on that. I'm sure it'll. I'm sure it'll be great. Call me Mister Putin. <laughs> I'm sure it'll be a gas. <laughs> but looking at the clock here, I know we have to start winding down. So I have one last question. Um, you know, 15 years ago when I, you know, first met Dick, I already we, said happy know, anniversary. I'm not. Yes, I know the cake is already been present. No. Okay. No, so anyway, we're anyway, everything was, you know, one thing now social media is another thing. And, and, you know, 90% of the stuff we've talked about has been social media marketing and, and things as far as opposed to the old things, where do you see advertising and marketing going in the future? You know, there is, there are rumors and there are talks about there about banning certain platforms like TikTok, And, you know, there's other types of things like that. Where do you see this going? I mean, can't, have we done everything there is to do? I guess. Well, the short answer is no, we haven't done everything there is to do. And honestly, and I, I'm just assuming that Tyler and Laura are going to agree to agree with me when I say, we don't know where it's going to go next. We don't know which 
19 year old kid is going to come up with the next great platform or way to get eyeballs and ear holes and brain boxes engaged. But whoever does it, we got to be there and we got to be there telling our stories and we have to engage. If we knew we probably wouldn't be on this podcast, it would be our people would be on this podcast. Um, (laughs) Or our avatars. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And I think, you know, um, the best thing I can think of right now is just the platform. What is the platform? Because like, look how long a television has been around. Television hasn't gone anywhere. You know, television is just a platform. The way we use TV maybe has changed. You know, people don't really nowadays watch broadcast news. They don't watch broadcast television. Soap operas are no longer really being made. Um, All that stuff. All that stuff's changed. That doesn't mean people stopped watching their TVs. They just changed how they're watching their TVs. You know, because the iPhone, because of smartphones, you know, media changed. Now you essentially can watch any movie you want, any video you want right in, in your hand. And so the platform, like the technology, the hard physical technology changes. Yeah. I don't see social media going anywhere. I really hope TikTok gets banned. Gets banned sorry. I am definitely in that camp. Um, but I think we're all so interconnected nowadays that I think it actually is impossible to pull out of that. Now, there may be further like trends regulations, things that might change it. But overall, I think we'll all just get used to whatever the new thing is yeah. and move on. I have to say with social media, um, you know, it, it's definitely very powerful right now, um, especially for brands wanting to grow. Um, but, you know, could there potentially be a future where there's this mass exodus or something off of social media and there's a shift and, and there's some new thing that people are going to uh, communicate on pot. I mean, that could possibly happen. And, you know, I think people are getting more and more conscientious about their data right now. They're definitely conscientious about privacy and when a consumer can opt out of being tracked, we're seeing that, you know, I am sure you guys have seen that with Apple phones. I mean, it's very easy to opt out. So the answer to some of that is um, these things are ever changing and growing. There's always some new feature to try out on social media. Maybe there's a new app um, or maybe something has changed. And now you've got some of your audience opting out and you're, you know, you're getting hit on your data and you're really not sure what's happening. Um, The idea with all of that is you just kind of have to go with the flow. You have to make sure that you're using your resources in the best way possible Um, And just kind of shifting when things shift, you have to learn how to pivot. And I think we've all seen that even through the pandemic that we've all just been through, you know, businesses figured out how to pivot fast. And the ones that didn't, they lost out the ones that closed and didn't figure out how to get open. They are, you know, they're, they're sad that they missed out on that wonderful season i like this note you have where it says like when it comes to trends you know you have to roll with them just roll with the punches but don't bet everything you have on a trend don't yeah if there's if there's some um pivot or twist definitely roll with it but we have seen attractions um invest everything in that trend and then when the trend goes away they're screwed what happens when um things right themselves and all of a sudden we're not in a pandemic world we're post-pandemic you know things are different and yeah, so definitely pay attention to the trends, but don't don't invest everything in them. 
Well, this is the part of the show we affectionately like to call the plugs. So this is where you give out your social medias and your websites and how people can get a hold of you. If I was a haunted attraction owner and I needed expert marketing advice or I needed help with my advertising, um, I assume you guys know of some people that could help them. So Tyler and Lara, let's start with you. How can people get more information about Fearworm, what you guys do with websites, social medias, and how they can hopefully improve their numbers? For sure. No, the best way to get a hold of us is visiting fearworm.com. That's F-E-A-R, fear, W-O-R-M, worm, fearworm.com. Right there, you can, we have a contact form. You can contact us. We'll reach out. You can learn more about our agency, about our team. Um, and speaking of, I know here soon we will be launching a now hiring campaign. So we will be looking for some employees soon. Um, so keep an eye out for that. But, you know, fearworm.com, you can follow us on Facebook. That's also at fearworm. We're on social media. We're active on Instagram, Facebook, LinkedIn, Twitter. I think, Laura, is there anything else? Yeah, we have a YouTube channel and, and things like that as well. Um, so depending on the platform, you know, if you're on TikTok, we even have some content there for you. So um, wherever you feel comfortable there's somewhere for you to engage with fearworm um but definitely go to the website and if yeah. you have questions we're friendly um I've and been, we we like to talk so. <laughs> yeah, we do. if you haven't noticed we could talk you off um but i've been i've also been trying to like put more time into our youtube account we've been putting up like um like client interviews so you can find stuff from brighton asylum or fear factory evil intentions there or even just creative spotlights like just look at one of our clients' commercials and just kind of let that maybe inspire you. Or just if you're like the rest of us, we just love this industry. Like it's great to just see another haunt video, you know? So we've been trying to curate all that stuff on our YouTube page. And Dictor Hune, how can people get a hold of you for advice? Maybe they need some voice work. Maybe they need some marketing information from the man who's been doing it for quite a while. How can they get a hold of you via websites, social medias? And everything that Tyler and Laura said, just take out fear worm and put in Dick Terhune. So that Dick Terhune.com. Oh yes. There's Dick Terhune.com. Uh, <laughs> Dick Terhune VO and voice from hell.com as well. We love you. Facebook, Any, uh... Insta. Oh, Twitter. by the way, by the way, Dick Terhune is like the best Uber driver ever. <laughs> <laughs> Dick, do you remember that? Like, I do. I do. 2019. MHC. We were all yep. leaving the hotel at the same time. You guys were waiting for your Uber. I was in, in the rental heading for the airport. I said, jump in. It was great. It was, it was the Uber from hell. <laughs> Uber from hell, yes. That's exactly what it was, too. And I'm sure we will have to talk about that off the air. But once again, thank you to Tyler Barnett, Laura Kilpatrick, Dick Terhune for bringing us all this incredible information on marketing, advertising, budgeting. Folks, it is not too early. You better start taking some of whatever money you have left over after going to Transworld and, you know, putting it towards getting people into your doors and seeing all that cool stuff you bought. We also want to thank our great hosts for their inputs and questions, including Storm. Uh, who had the, you know, try and find the mute button but uh, I, I also want to add you know i've said it before the future of advertising is high altitude balloons you want your haunts website on that as the sidewinder missile goes through it we're working on the penhurst asylum blimp as we speak <laughs> nice 
Also want to thank Meat Hook Jim. My brain hurts. <laughs> Just like the gumps. Also want to thank award-winning Jana, a.k.a. the old crone, for her questions. Thank you. Um, I'm going to let Laura go and rest her hand from that beautiful engagement ring that she's been flashing all night. <laughs> you know, this thing weighs a ton. I just... Uh... Oh, it's... <laughs> It's gorgeous. It's gorgeous. Thank he you. He did good. He picked a moonstone, so I think he knew his market. I did. Yes. I knew good my job. I knew my demographic. Congratulations. <laughs> Thank you so Thank much. You. My, name is, my name is Drew Badger, and I just wanted to tell Dick that the cookie puss is on its way. We'll have to share that the next time up in You're going to have to fight me. Connecticut. Yeah, probably will. So anyway, you're listening to the Round Table of Terror here on The Big scary show what about fudgy the whale is there one of those <laughs> oh i'm sure we can make that happen that's a special order that's it's the same thing order. just turned around that's your wall nougat that's staying in <laughs> i hope so <laughs> that's what was staying it? in i'm not editing that out <laughs> no don't that's brilliant yeah, for, for the youngins, Cookie Puss and Fudgy the Whale were ice cream cakes yes. sold by Carvel. Oh, you should, you should look God. up. You should go on. You should go on YouTube and look up Howard Stern's take on Cookie Puss. It Horrible is thing. it is brilliant radio. <laughs> Hello, everybody. Drew Badger here. We're live on the floor of Transworld in St. Louis, hanging out and seeing a bunch of things hanging out, especially a bunch of skeletons. They're all hanging out all over the booth I'm at now, the Skeletons and More booth. Lots of great stuff. Your source for Harvey Skeletons. Everybody loves the Harvey Skeletons. I got Matt Holloway, the owner here. How are you doing, man? Doing great today, Badge. Thank you. Um, You've expanded your booth a couple years ago, it looks like. I, I'm used to the one here that's got all the... Uh, indoor stuff but man you've got this new full line of harvey stuff coming out and it looks like harvey's got a new line of uh flexible and poseable skeletons that's correct this year they've got a prototype in the model where it's going to be a poseable harvey skeleton it's going to be uh at the shoulder the elbow the wrist and the fingers are all going to be movable and poseable um and get them coming in in may or june nice quality just like the normal harvey only going to be 20 dollars more than the normal one and we're also going to buy just the arms so if someone has an old skeleton and they want to retrofit the new poseable arm on it, they can do that as well. Uh, you know, that's an idea I've never even considered. You know, what do you do with your old skeleton that maybe you break an arm or something rather than just replace the arm? A lot of people just buy a whole new one. But this is a great idea to just go ahead and, and retrofit it like that. That's a that's a really cool concept. Yeah, that's something we, actually someone at the show mentioned. Why not just order the arms? So we'll go ahead and order arms and have people can do that if they want to. And speaking of arms, you know, you still got the uh, skeleton arm chandelier over here. You've got all these cool accessories from 
candelabras and candle things and just everything, skulls and skeletons, man. How do you do it? I don't know. Just, I just think of crazy things at night when I go to bed. No, no. <laughs> no I, I believe that's probably truer than I, you're willing to admit. No, no. <laughs> I mean, you, you know, when you get a downtime, you think of some things to do. And this last year has been so busy, I didn't have time to even design anything really new for this year. Uh, plus, with the show being six weeks earlier than normal, it cut in the time. So we've been all the time getting ready for the show. It takes us three days to set the booth up. We got you know, chandeliers, sconces, desktop items. So we're the only one here that has all this type of lighting. That that is true, and you can't have a good, good haunted house without a bunch of really cool skeletons and accessories like this. Well, that's true. That's true. <laughs> so for people wanting more information, maybe to check out the brand new Harvey prototype here, or order it for yourself, or to check out the sconces, the candelabras, the chandeliers, card holders, anything skeleton related, jawbones. Hands, skulls, multiple skulls. How cat, can, and dog, cat and dog skeletons. Too. Oh, man, I didn't even notice that. You do have cat and dog skeletons yeah. over here, too. Yes, so. we do. And we have corpsed items as well. And we keep adding. We keep adding. It, it's always a good thing. So how can people get more information with uh, websites, social medias, and all that? Yeah, well, I'm on Facebook and all that, and Pinterest. You go to skeletonsandmore.com as the main source. Skeletons and more, there's the word and as opposed Correct. to the ampersand. So skeletonsandmore.com. Check out all the new Harvey skeletons and all the line of really cool stuff that Matt and his twisted mind late at night comes up with. Once again, sir, congratulations on having some really cool products here. Thank you a lot, Badger. Appreciate uh, it. Absolutely, folks. Once again, Drew Badger here in St. Louis, Missouri at Transworld. Getting a little creeped out by all the skeletons here. And we're out.
This is the old crone and I am on the Christmas end of the Trans World Show and I am standing here talking to J.R. Matos with Matos Designs LLC. How are you doing? Good, how are you doing? Doing great. Um, while my guy is over there spending my money, um, I just want to know how does this um, benefit your type of business being attached to the Haunted Attraction and Interactive? Well, it benefits a lot because I've all we've always done like Halloween and Christmas light shows. So we've been making Halloween props the whole time we've been making Christmas props. Because it makes a whole lot more sense to put up your Christmas display when the weather's good <laughs> and yes. make it Halloween and then switch it over quickly to Christmas and then you know you got longer time for all the money you spent to stay up. So okay. it's always been a thing we do. That's great. So yeah. this is a perfect marriage for yes. you basically. So um, what you have are like controllers for lights and yeah. and things like that. Tell me a little bit about your business. So we make everything you need to put an animated light show up from pixels, controllers, um, props, structures to put up your props, motors to animate your stuff in a different way than just the lights. And we have everything you need to build an animated light show. Okay. So your controllers, um, you have different sizes that would depend on what, what your need is, right? Yeah, we have like a, an app-based tester that you can play with on your phone if you're just running a little strand of lights. And then we have a, an eight-port controller for a bigger show, which then has receivers and other things to expand and make the show as big as you need okay. it to be. Great. So if you if someone wants to find out more that's not at the show, because this is going to air after the show's over, yeah. but if someone wants to find out more about your business, how would they find out? Um, we have a website called maddowsdesigns.com, and then we have everything there listed. And then if you want to know more about the controllers, they're called Dragon Controllers. And then our big structures for mega trees and everything like that are Sasquatches. So okay. we're very Halloween friendly with our naming. That is awesome. <laughs> and Matos is M-A-T-T-O-S. Yes. Correct? Okay, great. Well, thank you for taking the time to talk to me. No problem. Thank you for having us. Have a good there. day. Greetings, listeners, listeners, and welcome. And welcome. Watch out. Don't trip over that torso. It's time, it's time for Between, for between the, the Corpses. corpses. The greetings, listeners. Meet Hook Jim here. And on this episode of between the corpses, we continue our journey down torture and execution, and we are going to cover dungeons. The prospects for British prisoners with no money were grim. They were held in the hole, the most remote and revolting part of the prison, with primitive accommodation and inadequate food and water. When there was no chance of payment from the prisoners, British dungeon keepers were cruel and unyielding. Neglect of prisoners was illegal, but rarely punished. Prisoners had to pay for food and the share of a bed or a blanket. Fights broke out when the meager provisions arrived. A lifeline existed in the form of gratings or windows through which charitable folk outside pushed coins or food. In Elizabethan times, inmates of the hole at Wood Street Counter in London pleaded to a judge for seasonal charity at Easter. We are lying upon bare boards, still languishing in great need, almost famished, 
and hunger starved to death, others very sore, sick, and diseased, beseech your food, worship, to pity our poor, lamentable, and distressed cases. The odor was so bad that pedestrians outside winced. Some passers-by were few anyway, as it was not unusual for prisoners to relieve themselves from cell windows. The overcrowded conditions, coupled with a stark lack of hygiene, led to numerous outbreaks of gaul fever, a virulent form of typhoid that killed not only convicts, but entire courtrooms. Everyone who attended trials at Oxford Castle on one day in 1577 died within 48 hours, having contracted gaul fever from a prisoner. Almost two centuries later, the Lord Mayor, two judges, a jury, and more than 50 others were dead after two inmates carried the disease into London's Old Bailey. In 1719, Captain Alexander Smith described Newgate Prison as a dismal prison, a place of calamity, a habitation of misery, a confused chaos, pit of violence. Drink caused much riotous behavior. Strong liquor was brewed at Newgate and sold under the names of Cock My Cap, Kill Grief, and Washing and Lodging. In 1724, there was just one guard for every 90 prisoners to quell behavior. By 1759, it was estimated that one in four prisoners nationwide died each year, far more than ever reached the gallows. Doctors refused to enter prisons like Newgate, so there was no medical assistance. The conditions suffered by poor men awaiting trial were described in 1818 by a Quaker, Thomas Buxton. The moment he enters prison, irons are hammered onto him, then he is cast into the midst of a compound of all that is disgusting and depraved. At night, he is locked up in a narrow cell with perhaps half a dozen of the worst thieves in London, or as many vagrants, whose rags are alive and in actual motion with vermin. He may find himself in bed and in bodily contact between a robber and a murderer, or between a man with a foul disease on one side and one with an infectious disorder on the other side. He may be half starved from what from want of food and clothing and fuel. Now, you know what? Thank goodness that doesn't exist anymore because quite frankly that scares me. I don't know about you, but we'll catch you on the next episode. Ohio haunted house owners, actors and enthusiasts. Join the new Ohio Haunters Association. We are working with haunters across the state, from home to pro, to strengthen the Ohio haunt community. Open to all owners, actors, makeup artists, prop builders, designers, and Halloween paranormal enthusiasts. The Ohio Haunters Association, where haunting is the heart of it all. Look for us on Facebook. Hello everyone, Drew Badger here at St. Louis, Missouri at Transworld, walking the floor, hanging at the booth. Always like to interview folks who are in the booths around us, and again, 
One of the people around us, our very good friends over at Scare It Badges, Daryl Plunkey and Brian Foreman, do that and have been doing that for a number of years. Now, I believe this is a third year vending. Managed to squire Brian away for a couple of moments because their booth is packed right now. Brian, how you doing? Man, it's what, day two, Friday? We've been here setting up since Wednesday. Uh, Daryl got a little delayed, so I was. <laughs> He's flying in from Canada, so all the uh, ice and snow kind of delayed him for about 24 hours. Which is kind so. of ironic. Yeah. So he's he's here. Um, I'm taking a little break, a little breather. Let, let him fight the people because you yeah. fought them all by yourself yesterday. Right. Yeah, I was, uh, I was manning the front lines. <laughs> there you go. So. so scare it badges. You know, if you're a haunted attraction owner and you have an after party at the end of the year and you like to give out rewards and stuff like this, this is a perfect idea. You guys came up with this idea like five or six years ago you've been vending for three or four years here at trans world you every year you introduce some new designs sometimes you let the public vote on them sometimes i guess you don't i don't know but it's it's a really neat concept so for those folks out there the few that don't know what a scare it badge is it's kind of a concept based off a boy scout merit badge but with a little bit more shall we say sinister twist Yes, everything's based on, we created it for our actors inside of our haunts, um, being scare actor managers and owners. Um, I've been in the Boy Scouts, military, so a little bit of mix with that. Daryl actually came up with the idea, ran it by me, and we're like, let's run with it. So we made a, a series of badges the first year, I think 2017 was our idea phase, and we went to Haunt Con in 2018. Got a good, um, a lot of feedback on what we wanted to create, and then we came swinging. Um, we think first we started off with maybe five badges. Now we might have twenty-five badges. So we've been doing this for what about six years, and we're always adding new things. We're taking feedback from our customers, from scare actors, from owners. Usually, if we get a request for, you know, someone comes up and says, "Hey, we need a we need a code brown badge." That's a new and one. This enough, year, right? Yeah, and if enough people say it we're going to make it and um i got a pretty good idea what a code brown is you know we used to call them something else at the haunt i was with but uh you might want to elaborate because that's just uh that's an interesting looking badge <laughs> so if you ever see the uh, the poo uh emoji on certain social media sites that's basically what it looks like uh, it's got a red border and a poo with a uh, kind of a surprise face on him. Of course, that is if you make a customer poo themselves. We, and and uh, frankly, who hasn't, right? Hopefully. Right. Exactly. If you're uh, good, <laughs> if you hit him at the right time and, you know, the customers. We ha- also have the urination badge, which, uh, which you know, the customer pees himself. And then we've also had a request for a vomit badge. I Ooh. didn't really think about that, but that seems to be a popular one that we may roll into 2024 so we'll see so these are one inch embroidered patches or the inch inch and a half something like that inch and a half everything's iron on um the we starting to come starting to come out with more name badges uh of course we have like manager scare actor build crew we're going to add more of those we usually design four or five designs every year you're losing one there on the thing there. That was yep. cool. So, like, that's the, the new animal badge. So we have, like, lifestyle badges, too. Haunt couple, haunt widow. Haunt widow. Um, I, I wear one for my wife because she does, she's never here to play. She kind of hangs out. Someone, someone has to, I guess. You know, she's over there know. at the casino probably burning <laughs> some money right now. But that's okay because uh, we're having fun. She's having fun. 
Uh, the you animal badges, anybody like that has pets, or even if you use pets in your haunt, like snakes. Uh, some people use rats and stuff, and sure. so they get a you animal badge. So just different skills, team badges. Uh, we have attendance badges. So basically, if if it happens inside your haunt, we want to cover it, and we want to make a badge about it. So if I was a haunt owner and, you know, I, I got a whole crew that lasts, you know, the entire season, I might get a 2023 badge, which is, a, I believe, a tombstone with 2023 written on it with a red border, and hand those out at the end of the season for folks who did a good job. Right. Now, we, uh, the attendance badges, we have our gold badges and our red badges. So if you get a perfect attendance and you show up every single night, you get a gold border badge. A lot of actors like that because it kind of stands out among our other badges. And once you start collecting them, that gold kind of pops out on your on your uniform or your jacket. The red borders, if you show up um, 75% of the year, you get a red badge. And then we start rolling into the five-year stripes. And we have a five-year stripe and a five-year round. So if you work five years, if you say you work 15 years, you stack three stripes on your, on your sleeve. That shows you've worked 15 years inside the haunted attraction. And, and honestly, I have seen a lot of people walking around here with your badges. Yes. On their denim jackets, their leather jackets, their work jackets with the haunts on them. There's a lot of people with, you know, years on them. There's a lot of, I've seen a couple of golden drops, so I'm assuming those are people who've made people pee their pants. <laughs> a lot of really cool, I've seen a lot of the stripes for like three or five to ten years or whatever. So it, it's a really neat concept. It really stands out. And if I was somebody and I wanted something custom done, is that something you can do as well? Yes, we do. We're starting to do, uh, we've do, been doing custom work for a few years now. You just bring us a design. It is a 50 uh, badge minimum, but if you, um, we can fit it on a badge, we can do it. We even have different sizes of badges, so just look us up. Nice. And how would somebody look up Scare It Badges if you aren't here at Transworld or if you appear at other shows or anything or you can't? Where can you find this, social medias, websites, and everything, where you can see all the new stuff, maybe a teaser for next year or whatever, and get just get more information and order Scarret Badges for your haunted attraction? Of course, you can go to scarretbadges.com. I think all of our new badges may be on there. If not, uh, if there's something you see at the show that's not on the website, let us know. We have all of our buttons, too. Uh, we do buttons or a dollar, badges or five, but the more you order... The cheaper they get, we have packages where you get badges almost for two fifty a piece. So that that's a pretty good deal. So scare it badges, scare it badges Yep, that's it. Drew, you got it, man. Uh, and I do, I also, do. There also is a picture of the one and only Drew Badger over there on our marketing material. Oh, you're kidding! Because we were taking pictures of people that wear their badges and you have a few of our badges as well. Oh bloody hell I'm going to have to go check this out. It's probably my bad side like they all are but once again Brian Foreman always a pleasure to speak to you sir. Scareitbadges.com reward your actors or just get a couple for yourself for doing a job well done at your haunt. My name is Drew Badger here at Transworld in St. Louis for the Big Scary Show and we are out. You are invited to a very eerie undertaking on Saturday at midnight. That's when Phantasm, the most terrifying movie of all time, will have one special preview. Phantasm, the film that puts the fun in funeral. And as for a fiendish story, it does have a burial plot. Come prepared to scream, because if this one doesn't scare you, you're already dead. 
Phantasm from Avco Embassy Pictures. Rated R under 17, not admitted without parent or guardian. And this is the old crone, and I have moved over to the interactive part of Transworld. And I am talking to Joe Boland. He is with Mega Entertainment. Hi, Joe. How are you doing? I'm doing well. How are you? Good. So tell me, what is this? I am looking at, like, big blow-up escape rooms, basically? Yes, ma'am. We have um, the Mega Escape Challenge. We have the Mega Maze. And we have a Quick Escape. So we first heard about this show when this section, which is now the Interactive Entertainment Show, was the Room Escape Show. And we had the Inflatable Escape Room. Uh, that was a little bit unique because you could change the theme. So we've kind of transitioned as a company. We've loved Transworld. It's always a lot of fun. And there's, it's, it's grown every year since we've been here, at least. That's um, great. Well, I'm trying to get people to think outside of the box of the haunt industry. So I know a lot of haunts are doing um, escape rooms, five-minute escape rooms, yep. things like that. So is that basically what you're yeah. offering to them? This is a 15-minute escape room, something that you can roll up and put in a storage shed. Um, not a full build-out, not something permanent on your property. Um, easy to use, easy mobile if you wanted to, to make your business a little bit more mobile during the off-season. Okay, that's great. So if someone wanted to find out more about Mega Entertainment, how would they do that? They could go to our website, megaentertainmentinc.com, or they can send us an email, info at megaentertainmentinc.com. That's terrific. So do you think that you would have been able to build um, this business as well as you have if it wasn't connected with the haunting haunt industry? Do you think we're a big part of that business? The haunt industry is absolutely a big part of our business. The maze was made for the haunt industry and has kind of flourished into all of our different aspects that we've taken a part of. So we have an escape room maze, we have the haunt maze, and we have a pumpkin patch maze, all because of our experience here at Transworld. Okay, great. Now, we don't have to blow these up ourselves, right? No, ma'am. What, what do you have? Do you guys supply the fans and everything? electronic motor, yes, ma'am. Oh, that's good, because even I don't have yeah. that much hot air. Yeah. Okay, great. Well, thank you so much, you Joe. Much. Have a wonderful day. You too. Enter the haunted world of Fright Find and discover an environment dedicated to promoting your haunt. Target customers who will influence others on attending haunt attractions as Fright Find brings in scream seekers looking for haunted places, events, and accommodations of every sort. Various exposure options give you the ability to reach your audience throughout the year. Don't be afraid. Go to FrightFind.com now to add your haunt for free and see for yourself the difference Fright Find will make in your haunt listing. <laughs> it's time for Ask the Old Crone. <laughs> I have on the phone with me Sterling Mathis. If that name sounds familiar, he's been in the news a lot. It's because he is the owner of the long-running Hotel of Terror in Springfield, Missouri. And I'm sure that most of you know what's been going on. He's been fighting the city of Springfield, Missouri over eminent domain because they're wanting to basically tear down his building to add some green space and, and things like that. And unfortunately, last night, Mr. Mathis, you had a city council meeting, and how did that go? Well, I, I suspected how it was going to go because uh, two weeks before at the last council meeting, we, we got to speak at, and, you know, nobody, none of the council people had any questions for me. You know, nothing, just whatever the city thinks is fair market value, that's what 
I should take with no question. So, What are they considering? What are they using to determine fair market value? Well, I mean, they're, they're going by some other buildings uh, that are, are for sale there in the area, things like that. But they say they want to acquire it. Well, they offer me like $200,000. So, I mean, I said, there's no way. And, and I told them, I said, I'm not opposed to moving, but, you know, this is what we're going to have to do. I mean, they, they've tried to push me over to another part of town where I have to be close. I have another haunted house here. Mm-hmm. I've been going sick. It's Dungeons of Doom. Um, but uh, we do hearse rides and hay rides back and forth, so I have to be close. So there's no buildings close or that's worth a, a hill of beans, you know, worth anything. So I said, look, here's another idea. Help me, you know, do some work. I need a new roof and I need another building on top of the third floor on my existing haunt. And I can move them both over there. So I met them all down there. And over the course of the time, they're they're trying to up it a little bit. Now, they, they've upped it quite a bit. But still, it's not enough. And the city's architect's own words, he's saying, well, just that roof and that other thing, that's a hundred, that's a million dollar deal. It was built in 1912, correct? As correct. a hotel. So right. you can't really go for anything like on the historical registry or anything. Because then you'd have to restore well, it back to what it was originally, correct? Original. I am the longest running business in that building. So do you think if if you had any other kind of business, do you think if it was still a hotel or if maybe, let's say it was an antique store, do you think that the city would still be after you to get take it over? Or do you think well, it's because it's the haunt or well, doesn't matter? At, at this point, I think they would try to push me out. But I think in the beginning, I think they just thought that they didn't want us down there. Eminent domain is primarily where the government can say, we need your property for this XYZ public use. And that's what they're saying is, is they want this property so that they can, you know, expand the bridge or, or green space or whatever. So they cannot like sell that, turn around and sell that to another developer to put uh, restaurants or shopping malls or anything in there, correct? That's what I understood. But here again, on their first drawings of what they want the park to look like, on the other opposite corner of my building, They've got a big restaurant there, and I, I pointed it out. I said, hey, who owns this? Who's going to get this prime location? And right. now it's it's not on there. And if you go to their website, it's it's not showing it anymore. So, you know, I mean, they, that's, their, that's their plan. They're going to put a restaurant or something over on the other end. So do you, um, do you have legal representation or legal counsel? You know, I'm talking to a lawyer, and, and I'm not doing uh, using anybody from this city (laughs) that's smart (laughs) attorney yes because you know and and even if we go in front of a judge i I want a jury trial i don't want to go in front of a judge who works for the city i mean do you think that i'm going to get a fair deal there sure going to ask for a lot more now than what i was asking for all i wanted was to be moved and and fine i mean there we go but you know the the more they push the more i'm going to ask for you know what it's going to cost to move everything. You know the value of what you have. Yeah. Um, but, you know, in the haunt industry, a lot of people, they have misconceptions as to um, exactly what the value of, of our equipment is and and things of that nature, the unique features that we need a building to have versus other businesses. I use this, too. I, I say, look, it, it's not a car lot. It's not a, an office building. You don't come in and move some file cabinets and park the car somewhere else and you're ready to go. It, it's right. different. The haunt is the building. The building is the haunt. I mean, that's 
what people come to see. So what advice would you give to any other haunt owners? We're wanting to take over your property for eminent domain. Well, I mean, this is this is a very unique. I mean, if, if they just came out of the blue and, and tried that, I would probably work harder on trying to get to, to where I can move it without fighting because it's going to be very expensive to fight. But since they have pushed it from at least 25 years of just trying to put me out of business, I think I've got a heck of a lawsuit against them. I appreciate it's, you taking the time to, to speak with me, and I know you've got a lot of people in the haunt industry that's keeping an eye on this and, and uh, kind of rooting for you that this is a good turnout for you, whether you stay there or whether you get you know moved. You know, We hope that uh, your business stays successful. Thank you very much. It was nice talking to you. In 1897, Dr. Alexander Hammond arrived at an institution for the criminally insane, only to discover the unsolved murders of several guards. Where are we? Jerry Vane takes you into Black Moon Asylum, a twisted abyss of torment, madness, and the horrifying mystery of Patient 292. Time for your medication. Black Moon Asylum, a symphonic journey into darkness from Hunstrumentalist Jerry Vane. Download Black Moon Asylum at jerryvane.com, iTunes, cdbaby.com, Amazon MP3, and your favorite download site. Independence. Walking Dead. On the Big Scary Show. Hello buddy, Drew Badger here. We're hanging out in Transworld at the America Center in St. Louis, talking to all the cool kids, the vendors, and people wandering around. Lots of haunted attraction owners out here. This guy comes up to me and says, hey, I got something interesting for you. I said, do tell. He says, I own a haunted hike outside San Antonio, or in San Antonio, Texas, and it's a haunted trail. I'm like, ah, everyone's got haunted trails. He's like, no, a real haunted trail. I said, have a seat. I got Matthew Tucker here. How you doing, man? I'm doing very good. So tell us a little bit about this. This is Owl Creek Haunted Hike, Owl Creek Farms Haunted Hike in San Antonio. 
It's Owl Creek Farm Haunted Hike. All right, and tell us, it's a, a haunted attraction that's also a haunted attraction. Yes, sir. It's a haunted attraction, and there is real paranormal activity. So tell us a little bit about this. I'm always fascinated about, you know, a lot of people that have buildings that are 100 years old, and they always talk about, yeah, it's haunted stuff. But this, there's no building here. This is a hike through the woods, but it's, it's like real haunted woods. Yes, sir. Uh, so we've, we've had, like, a lot of complaints from the actors, especially uh, last season. They would complain about a white shadow figure walking around <laughs> some of the scenes out there. And I would be be at the front of the entrance, and I would have the walkie-talkie go off, Matthew, Matthew, there's something running around back here. It looks like a big old white figure. I'm like, what? I was like, you kidding me, right? So I run back there to see what's going on, and keep in mind, this trail is a mile long, so it takes a long time to get back there, you know? Sure. So I get back there, and all my actors are literally at the end of Section A. we got two sections, Section A and Section B. <laughs> there's at the, section, uh, at the end of Section A, it's almost bawling their eyes out. And that's because something is, what, is it chasing them? What What is going on here? They said it. there was a white thing that was running around out there through the scenes, and they just didn't know what it was. So it might have been an albino bear. Maybe it was a wendigo. We, we just don't know. Some kind of ghostly. I'm thinking it was a wendigo. Wendigos are big these days. Maybe, maybe one just popped in and said, hey, man, these are some cool woods. Maybe I'll just hang out here. Yeah, that's, that's what I'm thinking. <laughs> so tell us a little bit about Owl Creek Farm's haunted hike. Besides being in a haunted woods, apparently, you've apparently found a lot of Native American artifacts and things out there. So that kind of gives it a little bit of credibility as far as something happening out there. But what kind of stuff, if I was to come down to San Antonio and buy a ticket, what would I expect? Well, you could definitely expect nothing but dark woods. <laughs> you can expect uh, tree limbs cracking behind you when you're walking, so you don't know... If somebody's behind you or not, you don't know what's around the next corner. Because it's not like one of these big fancy haunts. You have nothing but a flashlight. That's all you have. Is it one of those flashlights that, like, flickers on and off and disappears at random times? Yeah. Ah, nice. Gotta love those. So, and and the added bonus, you don't know what else that thing is lurking out back there. Has this Was this only last year or has this happened in other years? Oh, we, this is our fifth season in business. Um, it was my first year on the property last year. But I've seen some pretty crazy things on that property since I've been there. I used to uh, roll the generators out at the end of the night. And I would be back there by myself shutting the lights down. And you just feel like something is walking behind you the entire time. I'm just like, not tonight, please. <laughs> please not tonight. <laughs> and you'll just, you'll just feel the hairs on the back of your neck standing up. I mean, it's instant. You know, something is behind you. You know, I need to get the heck out of here. Well, I know Storm from the show would love to hear more about this because he's all into chupacabras and paranormal cryptids and all that kind of stuff. So this is kind of cool. So if I was to head down to San Antonio or if I lived in the greater Texas area or in and around San Antonio and I wanted to check out a haunted, perhaps really haunted trail like Owl Creek Farms Haunted Hike, are there websites or social medias where I could get more information? Uh, yes. Uh, so our website is... Uh, Owl Creek Farm Haunted Hike.com and Facebook is Owl Creek Farm Haunted Hike. Matthew Tucker, thank you for the really cool story there. Once again, folks, Owl Creek Farm Haunted Hike.com. Check those guys out this upcoming season. Maybe you'll see the Wendigo or something else in the haunted woods. No one knows at this point. Once again, folks, my name is Drew Badger. We're out here in St. Louis at Trans World Trade Show, and we're out. Your actors. 
your props, yourself. If they're worth dressing right, they're worth Von Karam. When you scare enough to wear the very best. Boncaron.com. V-O-N-C-H-A-R-O-N.com. As we slide back into the swamp where we hid the body, we would like to thank the following sponsors. Screamline Studios. Creepy Collection. Dark Imaginings. Fright Finder. Haunt Pay. Von Caron Productions. And VFX Creates. We'd also like to thank Virgil Franklin, Master of the Ether Muse. And we couldn't do this without the three ghosts, including Badger, Haunt Consulting and more, rabidbadger.org. Meat Hook Jim, check out his other podcast at wrestlehorror.com. And Storm, Rants and more, hauntminute.com. And finally, you, the listener. Without you, we are nothing. Big Scary Show is copyright Big Scary Show LLC, and no rebroadcast of this show may be made without express permission of the owners. All music used on the Big Scary Show is used with expressed permission of the artists themselves. <laughs>